Hey comics fans, this is Aaron Conley, creator of Sabretooth Swordsman and co-creator of Bully Wars. You're listening to 11 O'Clock's Comics. Stunning. First shot. You're a professional. Two in a row. Mm-hmm. In a row, two different rooms. Yeah, I, growns up. I think he's been practicing. <laughs> he might be. Well, what else am I gonna do? <laughs> that, that was the single most pathetic line you've ever said on the show. What else am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> it's all for the listeners, yo. Come on. Make it no, it's all for now. Oh boy. I missed you, two mooks. You did. We're here. I know, but yeah. Been, it's been a long week plus a day. Yes. We got to start pumping out some Sundays. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I should be free this Sunday evening. All right. We'll do this. You might, you might be happening. All right. Well, <laughs> me and Dapper are going to do it, you know. Where yeah. <laughs> hey, well, well, it'll hey, be happening. You... It might be happening with Jason. <laughs> Listen, if y'all want to do it just without you. Just without oh, we, I can't do anything without you. Bullshit. I get all nervous and shit when you're not here. Oh, David, tell him. No, no. You get way more nervous when, when Dap's not here and it's the rare me and you episode. You're like a fucking... Right. You're like a virgin on prom night. <laughs> you're totally making shit up now. For three hours. To- yeah, and my voice goes up like four octaves. <laughs> That's right. It's an uncanny impression. I turn into Pinocchio. So our, our lawyer, our firm's lawyer, who also is you know a, a friend at this point... Uh, Nice. Uh, we were we were at that at that charity thing down in Maryland, and and uh, we're walking to the event. He and I, and we're just catching up on life. His daughter is a huge. Uh, well, he's got four daughters, but his youngest daughter is a huge comic nerd, and she listens to our show. So he's known about the show since for you know, every now and then he'll ask about it, and he says, "Hey, I, I had a long drive ahead of me, so I listened to one of your episodes." Shit. I said, "Get out of here!" He goes, "It was really good." He goes, "I had no fucking clue what you guys were talking about." But it was a lot of fun. He's like, it's funny hearing you in that environment. You're so different. <laughs> I said, that's true. He said, but the thing that really, even though I didn't know what you guys were talking about, it really comes through how much you all really get along with each other. You have great chemistry. And I said, all right, then I'll pass it on to my my brothers. I'll Damn right we do. Yeah. That's sweet. Thank yeah. you. And we're going to mix you up some unique 11 o'clock chemistry right here because this... Some 11 o'clock or some 11 o'clock? I said, uh, uh, Senor Grammar, always, he's always on me like a Listen, tick. Listen, Severin o'clock. started comes. off the conversation by shitting on white chocolate, so now I have an axe to grind. Well, that's, that's well white chocolate's poop. shits on us by existing. <laughs> <sighs> uh, and my segue is shot, but that's shut okay. Up. This is 11 o'clock comics episode 605, and I'm Vince B., you are Vince B, and I am David A. Price. Indeed you are, and I am the world's greatest dog, Snoopy. Aww. You could be Snoopy, then. If you want to be Snoopy, you could be Snoopy. But you're not, unfortunately. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And we're all here, and I am crying. I'm screaming from on top of the mountain. Rejoice. Because the list of specials at Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, has been posted. you damn right. All right. And I have selected a bunch. This is probably the very first time a publisher gets two slots. Because there was just so many good things from this one publisher, I had to do two. Had to do it. 
First up from Dark Horse, it's Black Hammer Justice League. Yes. Number one, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Michael Walsh. And there's a couple preview pages in the catalog, and they are phenomenal. Woof. And uh, Mr. Walsh has been um, tweeting as he's uh, doing some work on the pages, uh, inking some uh, some Justice League characters. If you follow him on Twitter. I think I do, but I, I haven't seen any. But anyway, DC Comics and Dark Horse present the ultimate superhero crossover event of 2019. A strange man arrives simultaneously on Black Hammer Farm and in Metropolis, and both worlds are warped as Starro attacks. All right. If you're going to do a Justice League crossover and you put Starro in, how am I not going to buy it? What? It's, you know, there's, to interrupt you again, it, it's, I like how it's, similar just that 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 little sentence reminds me of the worlds collide crossover between dc and milestone but i can't think of too many other publishers that work so well together like dark horse and dc because they've done the aliens and superman books they've done the mask and and predator dc characters books they've it's it's just been i i've really enjoyed seeing these two publishers with with properties that don't really well black hammer justice league more so than 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 aliens and or predator and batman but it's still i just it, it's part of why i love comics so much yeah yeah the cover price is 3.99 but super smart consumer that you are dollar 99 incredible 50% off next up from Titan Comics, it's Blade Runner 2019, number one, written by Michael Green and Mike Johnson, with art by Andre Gionaldo, okay? In the neo-noir city of Los Angeles, 2019, Ash, a veteran Blade Runner, is grappling with a new case. A billionaire's wife and child apparently kidnapped by replicants for dark purposes. Ba-ba-ba. Cover price, Respectable, three ninety nine from Titan, but because you're smart and go to DCBService.com, you are going to bring this home for a dollar ninety nine. And last up, it's the Dark Horse bookend, the Flaming Carrot Comics Omnibus Trade Paperback Volume One, massive four hundred and some pages collecting Flaming Carrot one two four eleven twenty five to twenty seven, and it has a crossover with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in there. It's twenty four ninety nine. Now remember, or, or if you recall, the Dark Horse Omnibus Omnibuy are a smaller size. Yep. So it's 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 compact, but it's still good reading, and it's a lot of comics. Twenty four ninety nine cover price. Your price twelve dollars and forty nine cents. Good Lord. Get on this. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your books all shipped up nice and safe and secure, and they deliver them right to your door. Falling off the couch is harder than ordering from Discount Comic Book Service. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. That's the truth, Ruth. Right. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this month. Me too. Yeah. I already posted a video. Oh, that's, Saw that. that's nice. Yep. You're I'm on doing it. my probs tomorrow. Mine's right. not going to go up till Saturday. It's all good. I mean, it's definitely getting done this week, and hopefully tomorrow. We have, we, we have dinner tomorrow. We have a couple things. I got a pretty packed 
morning, late morning, but then um, I hope to have some time either before we go out or after we get home. But yeah, it'll be done. I will be done. Yeah. And and I, it's not a thank you because I purchased it, but it arrived. I'll um, when I do my DCBS reveal, I'll also um, do a little behind the scenes with the listeners because I had to uh, purchase something off of eBay that I did not purchase from DCBS, and I thought I did. Mm. And it occurred to me while we were talking about last month's our April book of the month which was paul pope's batman year 100 and heavy liquid came up um so i had to rectify a situation how are you going to do a reveal if you already opened your box i did not my friend what still sitting here taped up bro correct correct i i love dude, you to, i, so I love you to stuff. death I have, dude but... it, it, there's nothing in it that that i'm going to need to read oh my right goodness. this minute when i have when when i'm sitting here at my desk with with a stack of things to read, as well as way more than I thought I picked up of free comic book day offerings. So there's nothing. I wow. did, trust me. There's I don't. I could look at the shipping list and see what came, but there's nothing in that box that I would need to read for tonight. Now, see, here's the difference between David and myself. David will will click on a tracking link, absolutely, and know when that box is coming. I don't. I don't care to do that. Is, I don't know what's in it. But, but if if coming. I get the box, if the box is in my hand, it's got to be open. I I would Agreed. never be able to sit way. on it like. Like if that. if if I wasn't yeah, doing I... if I wasn't doing the video, I would open it. But I'd like to do it for the video. Yeah, well, it's a true yeah, it's a true unboxing video. It is. Woohoo! Oh, okay. All I right, guess, hot uh, stuff. We may not have a dog by the time we're done recording that. <laughs> Damn, some anger. <laughs> She's feisty. I like that. I like that so much. I think it's the dog. But hey, let's get into the drink roll call and get into the comics then. Um, what are you drinking, Dap? I am enjoying some Merlot from Josh Sellers, uh, blended and bottled by Joseph Carr Vintage 2016. It is from uh, ooh, California. IA. Nice. Jason? Well, I currently am sipping very slowly because i want to savor it my last of the ceo stouts that zach sent me and uh then i have some yanglings but before i hand it off to you uh, i'm going to do something i don't often do and i'm going to implore our listeners if you know a way to get me more of this beer oh I will I will make arrangements with you. If you want to send me some, cool. If you want me to send you some loot so you can send me some, that's cool. If you know how I can order it, also cool. It's Right Brain Brewery, CEO Stout from Traverse City, Michigan. I have looked. There is nowhere in my vicinity to get it. It is the nearest place that sells it is 400 miles away. Wow. So I would very much, if any of you Michiganers out there like uh, – Maybe Stegman will finally do something good with his life, or uh, or, J- or McDade. I don't know. One of you. If any of you can get me more of this, I'm all ears. I was I was going to say it is true that you never implore um, the the listeners to do anything for you. Which so Can't this you must really love this this beer. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Yep. Help me see it's one of my favorite Kenobi. beers I've had in, in maybe ever. I love it. Wow, wow. I've been savoring it. I've been keeping like one for each week of the show just to. To start off the night, and then I have backup beers because it's it's so treasured. 
It's pretty incredible. Well, I, mm-hmm. I had plans to come to the table with a new IPA this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been driving by the this local distributor, and there's a sign out front. And every time I see it, I get a case of the Giddies because it's from Wicked Brewery. And the name of the, the IPA is called Lieutenant Dank. Ah, that's hilarious. <laughs> and, and I laugh like a fool every time I see it. So, And, and there's this Viking-styled, hoppy warrior. His helmet is, is very ornate, and he's got a, his beard made of hops. I'm like, I need to try this. Lieutenant Dank, just the very the, – the title of it is, is enough for me to love it. And I went in, and, the, and they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So I'm finishing the last of the Southern Tier, uh, double smash and Citra hopped, um, live pale ale. And after this, I, I hope to bring some Lieutenant Dank <laughs> to the table next week. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that stupid? But it's so smart, Lieutenant Dank. Uh, I love it. Say it again. All right. So we have no uh, thank yous, correct? Let's get into the comics. Let's do it. We got we got three oh, hours to fill. We do. I want to speak on something first, though. All right. Not a not a comic, but comic related. Okay. Uh, it was announced this week that my current reigning favorite publisher of the year, and one that you both like quite a bit as well, Lion Forge, is merging with Oni Press. And that may not seem like a big deal because. It's hard out there for smaller publishers. It makes sense in a lot of ways to merge. We had um, Top Shelf merge with IDW. We've had Archaea merge with uh, Boom. So it's it's been happening, right? And, and it makes sense because they need scale and they they uh, there's a lot of business reasons to, to do it. Um, but I wanted to speak on it because this one is bothersome to me on a few few levels. First of all, there's the personal level, which is that love Lion Forge and love almost everything that they've ever put out that I've read, I've enjoyed. And I love their their mission statement, which is diverse creators creating diverse comics, ethnically diverse creators creating ethnically diverse comics. Uh, they're based in St. Louis, and uh, I just I think the world of them. Uh, now, Oni, been around forever. Plenty of good comics. Scott Pilgrim, probably the well, not probably, certainly the most famous of them. But uh, Neesman's favorite comic of all time, Queen and Country. The soon-to-be TV show, Stumptown. There's a lot. They put out stuff over the years. But for me personally, and I think if we look back on the the, the years of doing the show, Oni's not necessarily our sweet spot. We have rarely talked about Oni comics with the kind of love and passion we talk about other stuff. Um, again, I'm not condemning the co- company or saying they make bad comics. But never been a company that I would consider a must-have publisher. So the news that came out is that the owner of Lion Forge, who's a, an investor, a finance guy, he bought Oni, but he's basically handing the whole company over to the Oni powers that be, relocating to Oni's location in Portland. They've already done massive layoffs. But pretty much both companies have been gutted. And... It uh, it stinks. It stinks because I, I I hope I'm skeptical that since Oni's taking over that we're going to keep the same kind of awesome stuff we've been getting from Lion Forge going. 
Uh, and it stinks because um, while Portland is a hotbed for comics and some of the world's best comic creators live there and and uh, call it home, um, it's just a fact that when you're talking ethnically diverse, Portland is anathema to that. It is, I think it's been voted the whitest city in America five years running. Um, and so to take one of the few publishers that's based in a urban environment like St. Louis with a mandate to have diverse comic output from diverse creators that had uh, a lot of employees, people of color, a lot of creators, people of color, editors, um, going and being controlled by a company based in Portland with zero people of color working there. That's, that's, that's a bummer. It's a bummer on a lot of levels. So um, again, I understand as a business person, why the guy's doing it. Uh, Maybe it's the right thing for him financially, but I got to pour one out for our peoples at, at Lion Forge, both the people that work there and and the content. Because I think last year was probably the first and only year uh, it's ever going to be my favorite publisher as a result of this. So, well, I have to echo a little bit about what you said. I, I'll be totally honest. When I'm perusing the previews, I blow right by Oni. Same. They, they rarely offer anything that catches my my interest. I mean, if you want Invader Zim. Or Rick and Morty, and and to be fair, they do have some boutique books like Kaiju Max, which mm-hmm. I, I have liked what I what I've seen of that. But for mm-hmm. the most part, Oni's a pass for me. And when you look at the Lion Forge aesthetic, see, I, I'm I'm gonna be a little ha- not maybe heartless, maybe a little unfeeling here, but I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. As as far as diversity goes, I could not care less. Mm-hmm. As as long as what I'm getting, sure, is good comics. I don't care who makes them, man, right. woman, trans. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is is a little worrisome to me in this is the there's a, a huge rift between the Lion Forge aesthetic and the Oni aesthetic. Right. Lion Forge produces very refined material. It's gorgeous. It's it's diverse in its presentation. It, mm-hmm. You'll have a book done totally in watercolors, and you'll have a book in in a in a very um, pleasing cartoony style. Then there's the darker things like Water Snakes from Tony Sandoval, like and the Topi books. It just seems that Lion Forge. Oh, that's awesome, Lion <laughs> Lion Forge. <laughs> They're stylistically, they're hard to pin down, but in not being able to pin them down, that is their aesthetic. They right. just, they produce a, a very um, wide range of styles for a very wide audience. Where Oni, I don't know, I just get the, the, the feeling that a lot of it is, is tie-in stuff, TV tie-in stuff, and maybe one or two books trying to pierce that young readers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. so I, I, I don't think it's a good thing either, but I mean, if, if Lion Forge absorbed Oni and they stayed Lion Forge, that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. Right. No, but the, no the fact that it. the, yeah. it's, it's flipped where the, the Oni captain or whoever is going to be, you know, or the Oni thrust is going to be deciding w- what comes out and by whom it's just, it's not very, I'm not very optimistic like right. you. The, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't gloss over the Oni section, but since the damned were wrapped up, it, it's pretty much. I mean, Sixth Gun and the Damned were what I would always get from Oni, but anything else, I, like I said I skim it. It's they have some creators working for them that that I recognize and um and yeah, I I really enjoyed 
the first Stumptown series and and am extremely happy for uh, for Greg and Matthew and and looking forward to seeing that happen. But um, yeah, I, I there's there's a Lion Forge book I plan on talking about tonight. There's a Lion Forge comic that I picked up um, from the shop. Um, yeah, I picked up some Lion Forge books at last year's New York Comic Con. We've ordered. We're constantly ordering, thanks to you know Infinity Eight. We're 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 forever ordering from Lion Forge. Almost, well, for me, um, it's probably now. Now it's been leaning back more towards Marvel with with, with the, the shop close by. But it's it's Dark Horse, it's Lion Forge, it's a couple of it's a handful of DC books and a handful of Marvel books, but. Lion Forge does make up a good section of, of my order from DCBS. Yep. So let's pour one out for uh, for for Lion Forge as it was. And listen, if if a year from now things haven't changed, they're still putting out great work that uh, rises to the level of what we've enjoyed the last few years. And I will uh, happily eat crow. I would be thrilled to to come on here in a year and say I was so wrong. And, and give them props. So I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. So on a similar topic, what other publishers in the previous catalog do you find yourself just mm, lightly glossing over and it's just keep going? Now, the obvious for me is Xenoscope. I've never ordered a Xenoscope sure. book. I never Same. will. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like Boundless. And Boundless. Yeah. Um, I, I am always curious to look at... Um, I think I've might have purchased two Aspen books over the years, but Aspen isn't necessarily a, a publisher I linger over. Uh, Agreed. Yep, Aspen's totally passed that by. I, I usually check out what they have to offer because I, I mean, they're, they're, I just want to know how many pieces of art Michael I Turner had, had in the vaults. Like, I know. I know. He must have been drawing constantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, but but other than that, I there's something about the the Aspen aesthetic. It's very pleasing to the eye. So I don't. I, I will check out their books. But I mean, like I gotta say, Boom is a hard sell for me unless it's a uh, Planet of the Apes or or something um, similar. I almost never buy Boom, and it's just flip 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 for me. I don't. I don't think I end up buying on a Boom, but I definitely don't gloss. I don't gloss over it. I definitely do read everything that they've got coming on because occasionally they'll have something that surprises me. Well, you're getting the Whedon books from them now. Yeah, yeah, you know that's what I'm saying. So I, I definitely look through. I look through Boom. I don't. Uh, I don't disagree that I don't order a ton from them, but but I definitely am always giving them the 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 opportunity. Um, right. Whereas those other two, I, I I can't flip the pages fast enough. Yeah, but on the on the uh, opposite side, there are probably publishers that I stop dead in my tracks for, like Antarctic, where you guys just go, okay, it's gonna. Well, that's yeah. I, I don't order anything from Antarctic, but I check out the T-shirts. I check out. Um, They're cute. I might look at the parody uh, covers um, of the satire, but yeah, no, it's it's not. Uh, and another I mean, one. It's just two pages anyway, two facing pages. Yeah, yeah. American Mythology. I get a decent amount of books from those guys. Yeah, and, I don't think I've ever bought something from them. Yeah. Well, and now it's mostly Zorro. 
Uh, Action Lab. I yeah. I don't. You know. Now the yeah, Danger I've Zone pages, but yeah, I'll check out the Danger Zone books, but the regular Action Lab books, I, I'm just unconcerned. I mean, and we're not. What I'm saying on this, I, I really do look through every page of previews. I, yes. So, so I can't. I mean, I'm aware of like each of these titles, each of these companies we're talking about. I can tell you a lot of the books that they're publishing, um, but I, I, I do. But I just I don't ever take it seriously. Like I, I would right. be surprised if I ever stop and think, oh, I'm going to buy something from them. Right. What's, what's weird is, and I, I, the whole catalog is an ad, but I always forget because it's always on the left hand side. I I always think the EC Comics page is an ad. Like I never look at it as as All a right. solicit, mm-hmm. but it's there. Um, oh, Dynamic Forces Pass. I'll, that's, oh yeah, that's, that's just overpriced. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. Even, yeah consider them because it's just more like a. It's just like the covers. Yeah. 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 But, but I mean, there's something out there for, for everyone. Um, it's just uh, we have our favorites, and sometimes we, we get in ruts, right? This month, I made uh, a concerted effort to buy at least five first issues from publishers I don't usually get stuff from. Oh, good. Yeah, just to mix it up, you know what I mean? Because, sure. I mean, my yeah. box comes, and I can tell you, I mean, not that I checked the list, but I can tell you what's in it. Savage Dragon, Spawn, mm-hmm. there's a DC book here. There's, you know, uh, about five or six from IDW, a sure. couple of Marvel. And I just want to just jazz it up. Read something uh, that's mm-hmm. that, that's off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, unfortunately, was, was busy, didn't have a chance to. I, I'm assuming you were working, Vince. Did... did uh, I know. So, is Dap the only one of us that did free comic book day? Yeah, I think so. Did yeah, did not. How how did it feel to have a uh, LCS to hit? Yeah, <laughs> it was um, it was neat. They had a uh, they they there were a couple things sold out or grabbed before I got there on Saturday. But um, I and I knew I had a couple things coming from DCBS anyway from uh, ordering from from them for the past year. Um. And they still had some when I went back, when I went to get um, my books yesterday. So I picked up another couple just to um, help them not have to keep them around. But it was, um, they, they, they had some specials. If you, um, if you buy every five back issues bought, you get a free pop. Um, and so I decided to, I didn't realize I had, so many issues and I'm still missing a couple, so many issues missing from uh Age of Doom, the Black Camera series. So I'm filling those holes and um but it was it, it was nice. You had I, I I was there and, and saw a, a change in customers. There was customers in there when I went in there. Uh they had rifled out some other customers came in, a family came in and um the son kept wanting to kept begging for, for Spider Gwen, but uh that thought it was, it was a young kid and that that thought it was maybe a little on the violent side because he had read some spider gwen and um didn't think he was quite ready for that yet but uh they they perused the shop to see what they could um pick up and, and leave with and it was uh it was pretty cool i i've, I've been to busier shops on free comic book day but this was uh, the, the the selection was great as far as um what they had to offer and uh and I mean, and, and the shop is nice. It's bright. It's it's open. Um, doesn't feel too cramped. So it's it, it it's not a uh, it's not a dark dank dungeon. So it, it's 
it's not a place you want to kind of just run in and run out of. It's 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 very easy to linger there, and um, and especially if if you're a gamer and into into any sort of um, card based or uh, turn based strategy games. It's that that seems to be their uh, their stock and trade, their bread and butter. But I I um I decided to the books that I did leave with were things that I I didn't necessarily think about when I was making my selections with DCBS, but um, I also wanted to see what I could grab that uh, I could throw in to some care packages. And um, I, I went with the... I did pick up the Vampirella issue because I didn't realize it at the time until I was flipping through it since I had seen it in, uh, in previews, but it, it's basically... I guess it's a taste of what to expect with because uh, Priest is going to be writing the series, or at least this this volume of um, of Amparella. and it, it's it's not it's it's maybe five or six pages, and then there's a Art Adams drawn reprint for pretty much the rest of the issue. So um, new content, but mostly. A reprint for free comic book day. I did pick up the Deadly Class. Um, the uh, I picked up the H one Ignition from Humanoids, which is mostly a there. There is a comic here, but there's there's a lot of text. It's almost like it's a uh, it's it's very Ohatmu esque. Um, the Ahoy Comics dragonfly and dragonfly man animosity tales from aftershock so i just i just just to see what i might not normally be reading to, to to see what was out there but no it was um it was nice to actually just be and it was a beautiful day and they had the whole street set up for for cinco de mayo for the weekend so it was it was very easy for me to just kind of leave the house and stroll the street and, and end up at the comic shop nice i love it I was. Uh, I told you all this. I, I was. I, I'm. I'm a, I'm a failure as a father. Because we had we had th- we had all three boys play lacrosse, as y'all know, and they all had games on Saturday. Again, not uncommon. And there were windows of opportunity, though, where we could have swung by. There's three or four LCSs that we've hit in years past. So in the morning, I I said, oh, you know, it's free comic book day. You guys want to hit hit those stores uh, in between the games? All three of them are like, nah, son. Even my 10-year-old was like, nah, I'm good. That's rough. I know. Yeah, my my kids are the same. They asked me if we were going. I said, it's going to be hard to do from work. but um, And when we go, they they don't really take anything. I have to force them to take stuff. So I don't know. I hope it's not a generational thing. Yeah, I mean, you know. It is what it is. I hate that that saying, but it's, it's sometimes true. Yep. Oh well, let's go. Let's get on the upswing here. Talk, yeah, let's do talk it. about some comics. Let's do it. Well, who wants to do this? So I decided to um, pick up my first issue of Batman Beyond, and I don't know how long was there. Was Batman Beyond part of the New Fifty Two? I don't think so. It, it, it's no. been a long time since I picked up a Batman Beyond comic. Um, but the reason. I picked this one up as one of my back issues, actually, on Saturday. Um, it was because I saw Andy Parks make a comment about it on the Facebooks. Because Andy Parks inks this issue, written 
by Dan Jurgens. And right there, I mean, that that's a pretty cool one-two punch. But what really knocks this issue out of the park is that Andy's inks are over Rick Leonardi's pencils. What issue number is it? 31. And it looks amazing. And this would have been one of those things where I bought just for the art. And if, you know, I'll read it and that's cool. And I'll file it away and I'll just, you know, I'll make sure I get whatever, however many chapters this, this, this story titled Divide, Conquer and Kill. Um, however many parts it is. And then I would just, you know, file it away and, and that's cool and probably get them signed by Andy if we're ever at a con again together. Um, but after reading this issue, I was, I'm, I was hooked. Now, again, I don't know what's been going on in the life of Terry McGinnis or his brother or the elder Bruce Wayne. Um, but this is a, having not read the previous 30 issues, I, you know, I, as a fan of the cartoon, I'm never going to be lost. But whatever's going on in Gotham, in Neo-Gotham at this time, none of that matters. This is this is a fantastic um, jumping on point. And, and it, we, we start off with Bruce um, at Arkham Asylum uh, talking... Um, talking to a, a doctor. Her name is Dr. Sheehan. And uh, she refers to the patients or the inmates as guests um, because it uh, minimizes their impressions of themselves and, you know, hopefully persuades them to move on to a full recovery. Um, so while they're walking the halls, the power goes out. And, uh, and she's like, well, you know, the equipment's quite old, so it should, should only be out for, for a moment. I mean, um, the generator will kick in and everything will be fine. And uh, Bruce is like, well, it's possible. It might be something more. And she turns around and Bruce isn't there. Then the lights come back on and all of a sudden um, Bruce appears at the end of the hall. And, you know, Jurgens, he's, he's slick. He's subtle. Um, but he doesn't hit you over the head. And, and what's great is that you know, she wants to, Dr. Sheehan wants to, you know, continue the tour. And he's like, nah, got to run other visits to make, I'm afraid. And, um, and she's like, well, you know, if you have time, I, I'd like to discuss the the new therapy wing that, you know, we're hoping to add. And Bruce is like, provided I write a check to cover it, no doubt. And, uh, he hops in the little hover car and he says, uh, he says to Alfred, which is basically Jarvis, the AI, he says, uh, it's like, I'm thirsty. You got anything to drink? So, um, Bruce finds some uh, some whiskey, and he um, Alfred asks, you know, isn't it a bit early? And uh, and he's like, no, nah, after any time at Arkham, no, nah, I'm good. Keep your opinion to yourself. And then he's like, so um, Alfred asks, where, where do you want to go? He's like, well, you got any suggestions? He goes, well, I believe the others are waiting for you at the mansion, sir. And he's like, yeah, the mansion, that'll do. And he gets there as... Uh, as Terry and his brother Matt are in an argument because Terry is uh, is failing school. I guess this is one little nugget that I picked up just from this conversation. Apparently, Matt has been um, Robin to Terry's Batman. And um, Terry's kind of put the kibosh to that and, and not allowing him to be Robin so he can basically finish school. Um, 
do what he's got to do because it's for the best. And I guess something happened with the Joker, which happened in, in the past five issues. Um, Bruce walks in and he, um, he doesn't say anybody's names. He just, he calls him kid. He's like, um, he doesn't actually say Terry's name until Matt, Says Terry figures you know how to figure this stuff out. And he's like, yeah, 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 that could be. What kind of, uh, what exactly are you looking to find out about Terry? And and it, as I said, it's all extremely subtle. But we find out what's really been going on with Bruce when we get to the um, when we get to the end of the issue. But Terry suits up as Batman, and uh, because there is a um, there's a robbery. Um, in progress and the reason there's there's a whole little um Wayne Enterprises and Powers Technologies. Um they uh they merged and Terry's trying to get information on powers, but he needs Bruce's thumbprint for that, so Bruce goes ahead and um gets the files open. They're asking Bruce for, you know, any information he can provide. Bruce is like, nah, you know, I, I just, um, I, I can't help you. I, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want nothing to say. I have, uh, you know, some, some things you don't, you don't want me to tell you about. And, and he's just being very coy and slick about it. While that's going on, Batman gets ambushed by a character that can split himself, hence the, divide part of the title of the story and um and they they leave him they leave terry they leave batman in a um in a in in a anti-grav chamber basically where the uh gravitational forces are going to pull batman down through the floor the floor is basically um looks like a grate and and so he'll um it, it's basically going to tear Batman's spine right out of Batman's body. Um, and the, uh, the Terry, Terry's brother, Matt and Bruce are watching this happen. And, and Matt's like worried, like my brother's dying. What do we do? Bruce is just sitting there sipping his whiskey going, yeah, I had no idea. And, and uh, Matt's dumbfounded. He's like asking him if he's sick. And he's like, nah, man, never been better. And then we cut back to Arkham Asylum and there's someone uh, in a straitjacket and, and a full face mask we can't see through that's saying, let me out. I don't belong here. I'm innocent. I'm not who you think. I'm, I, I, I don't remember. And that's where the issue ends. And I just need the next issue now. I, it, it looks amazing. I, I, I'm totally digging what Jurgens is putting down with these characters, I, I got to find out how AR Hero gets out of this predicament and um, and what the hell's going on with Bruce. So I am I am in for this story at least. Batman Beyond is uh, it, it blew me away. It, it's something I just decided to roll the dice on, and I am absolutely ecstatic that I did. Hmm. I must say I don't know. Um, I know next to nothing about Batman Beyond. Never saw the cartoon. Never saw the cartoon. Is one of the best cartoons of the nineties. Mm, yeah, I've heard good things about it. I just never, never, never was privy to it. I love that when you take a chance and it pays off. 
pays off big time, man. I definitely recommend it. You a fan of the Beyond, uh, Vince? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I like this series. I haven't been current on it, but I mean, the cartoon is phenomenal. I'm really surprised mm-hmm. you haven't seen the cartoon. Yeah, I know. Same. So Especially since you're a fan of the animated series. Yeah, no, I know. I know. A uh, little pop quiz speaking to the new 52. Oh, boy. Back in the day, in 2011, we reviewed the first issue of every one of the 52 titles. We did. We did. Can't, how many do you think you can name without looking? Of the new 52? Mm-hmm. Okay. There was... You want to go back and forth? Well, I'll just... I'll give you three. Okay, go ahead. Legion of Superheroes. Legion Lost. Um, okay, there was Action. Mm-hmm. Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman, of course. You had Voodoo. Omac. Grifter. <laughs> Correct. Um, Animal Man. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing. Justice League. Uh, wait, hold on. Swamp Thing, V said Vince. Yep. yep. Justice League, yep. Uh, Animal Man. You said Animal Man. Okay. I uh, Vampire. That's right. I Vampire. Yep. One of the, yep. First one to get canceled, I believe. Demon Knight. Correct. You cheating? No. Oh, it was, uh, it was one that, that Frankenstein book, right? Correct. Yep. Frankenstein, Agent of Shade. Loved that. That was in Shades. Wonder Woman, of course. Of course. Then Green there, Lantern. Green Lantern. Then there was Red Lanterns, and there were there was Green Lantern Core. Green Lantern Core, yep. Correct. Um, There's one more, by the way. Oh, Jonah Hex. No, Weird yes, West. I, I, Weird I, I, Western. Weird West Tales, yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't called Weird Western Tales. Was just Jonah Hex? Nope. All Star Western. Correct. Yeah, that, okay. Yeah. No, I said there was one more Lanterns book. You got three of the four, though. That was in the midst of the whole Lanterns are the greatest thing ever, period. So the Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, Red Lanterns, and then Green Lantern New Guardians. Oh, right. Oh, I think yes. you used uh, Baz and Jessica, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Oh, Batman Detective. Uh, yep. You, that one. Yep. What's that? That woman. No. Uh, yeah. Actually, yes. Yep. Supergirl. Yeah, Aquaman, baby. Yep. Some of the fringe. There was definitely an Aquaman. Correct. Um. Blue Beetle. Oh, Resurrection Man. Yep. How many are we missing? You got Aquaman, right? You got Aquaman. You are missing one, two. Three, four, five, six more Gotham books. Oh, Nightwing. Yes. Uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws. Yes, I wasn't even counting that. So yes, sorry, there were so there eight Gotham books. Uh, Titans. Uh, Why well, was that's not a Gotham book? But Teen no, Titans. I know. But yeah, yeah, Teen Titans. Yeah. Um, was it Red Robin or was it just? No, Nightwing was that's just so Nightwing. there was that Nightwing was the only sidekick book. Uh, no, with the side. Okay, was Batman and Robin one of them? Yes. Okay. I with, think there was uh, a Catwoman too. Correct. Yes. Oh, Gotham City Sirens. No. 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 Uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yes. No yeah. Harley Quinn. Right. Wow. Uh, what am, what you're am missing I missing? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
All right. Why don't you just tell us? So, yeah, you got it's pretty good. Off the top of your head, you got 32 of them without even thinking. Yeah. Uh, Batgirl. Oh, no, okay. Batwing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. One that we, we all loved and own art from, Deathstroke. Yes, Jesus Christ, yes. Captain <laughs> Adam, which only Vince read. Which I loved. Stop it. <laughs> the Fury of Firestorm, the Nuclear Man. Right. Savage Hawkman. Oh, oh my God. God. How could I forget so that? <laughs> Superboy. I said that. Yeah, David said that. Oh, I, you said Supergirl and Superman. No, no, I said Superboy. Oh, okay, okay. My boss. Uh, Batman, the Dark Knight. Oh, Finch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was written and drawn by Finch, right? Um, Birds of Prey. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was what I thought about instead of Gotham. Yeah. Black Hawks. That's right. Uh, the DC Universe Presents. Uh, Flash. Oh, is that had your uh, Dead Man? Shows you how much we all love Flash. You didn't mention Flash. <laughs> or Green Arrow, which is the other Oh, that's one. right. Perez uh, and Jerkins, yeah. Justice League Dark. Mm-hmm. With Detective Chimp. Men of War. Oh, wait. Wasn't uh, Stormwatch one of them? Stormwatch. Yep. Okay. Static Shock. Oof, oh, yeah. yeah. Hawk and Dove. Yes. Uh, Justice League International. And right. Mr. Terrific. Wow, I can't even remember a single issue of Mr. Terrific. <laughs> I don't think it lasts too long. How does that happen? A lot of these did not last very long. But you know what? Planet Segway, I got a whole bunch of cooter this weekend. Cute, cute, cooter. Yep. Yeah. And it was all from the new 52 action comics. Okay. And, and, and tie-ins. I read... Action Comics Volume 5, What Lies Beneath, and Superman Doomed. Superman Doomed is 21 issues. Lordy. Yeah, it's a big old thick comic. And uh, I think there's six in the Action Comics. So I read close to 30 issues of Superman, uh, albeit Action Comics Superman, and I thought it was amazing. Like, I don't remember reading this when they came out, I may I may have been on a DC hiatus, but yeah, I think so. But holy crap, it was so good. the The story really starts in in volume five, and it focuses on Clark and Lana, mm-hmm. the old squeeze, right? Um, she's now an electrical engineer, and they make a point of telling you at least once an issue. Well, you're the electrical engineer, or I'm an electrical engineer now. I know things. Uh, she's down in Venezuela, and she's helping this nonprofit organization drill for some kind of newfangled energy or whatever, but they're drilling, right? Mm-hmm. And the drill pisses off a giant blue monster that was living below. And the monster comes out, you know, and Superman arrives to save the day, and he's battling the monster. But he quickly gets the feeling that, you know, something about the, the beast is, is, is off, you know? He, he throws Lana's truck at the monster, and, and it's like the monster's playing fetch with him, you know? So in swoop the drones, and there's this um, shadowy organization called Tower mm-hmm. that I'm not too familiar with, but they seem to be the the uh, the black hand behind the scenes pulling all the strings. And um, Superman smashes all the drones up, and Lana's like, what the hell are you doing? And, and he's Superman steps in and, and he tries to protect the monster and they they don't understand it. And as this is happening, you get 
this guy called the Ghost um, Soldier, and he's a Native American, and he can kind of phase. He's got this phasing technology, and he also packs two two big knives, right? So at one point in the story, he's he's in phase mode, and he sticks his hand and knife in the boundaries of Superman, and then he phases in. So he, he effectively stabs Superman. Mr. Invulnerable, he stabs him with, with a knife. It's it's bizarre. But so Superman pretends to throw the monster into the sun. All right, I, I got rid of it. Don't worry. You know, he's, he's gone. He's not going to plague anybody. But what he really does is he takes the monster back to the Fortress of Solitude. And it's... it it. The monster relaxes and falls asleep. And when he does, he turns into this little blue pointy-eared kid. And and the, the, the kid's name is Baca. So, you know, long story short, um, Baca is a prince. He's a prince of this underground realm called the Imperial Subterranea, right? And there's, a, of course, you have a... a, 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 a imperial um regime you have to have some kind of a head right but there's a princess uh, there's a queen and her name is kokia and she wants this kid back so she sends out this massive warrior to to retrieve baka and this guy's name is uker and where he goes monsters go and it's aaron cooter drawing fucking amazing giant kaiju Panel after panel, page after page, and I was like, "Why? I I need this in my life like every month. Why is this not a, a normal thing for Aaron Cooter <laughs> yeah, yeah. to, to draw giant monsters?" Um, and it, it's it was amazing and so much fun and totally disconnected from continuity, which I loved mm-hmm. because the New Fifty Two it's gone right. All that's old hat. Yeah. Superman saved everybody by burning himself out, you know, whatever. So I don't have to worry about how is this connected to this. And I read it just because it it was, it, it was first of all, it was eye-pleasing. That's what mm-hmm. drew me in. And then more so, it was a really fun reading. It's, it's written by Greg Pak. Yeah. So uh, we trust Greg, right? Planet Hulk, mm-hmm. he's, he's a great writer. So I, I, I kind of, I thought, well, this was great. It, it examined the and kind of fine tunes the relationship between Clark and Lana. She obviously loves him, but not in that way. You know, mm-hmm. she she's not. She doesn't lust after him. She just she loves him like a brother. And meanwhile, Clark has Wonder Woman. So you know, hi Lana, see ya. <laughs> right, but mm-hmm. so but this it was just like a stepping stone into the big picture. Which was Superman doomed? Any of you read this? Uh, I think I. Oh wait, no. Because he's still he's still dressed as Superman here, right? Like he's not wearing the jeans and T-shirt yet. In the beginning of Volume Five, he has the jeans and the T-shirt on, but he quickly goes into the costume. He he starts wearing the costume. Um, but Superman doomed was written by Pac. I'm sorry to say this, but Charles Sewell. And and Scott Lobdell, you have art by Aaron Cooter, Scott McDaniel, Lee Weeks, Mike Hawthorne, Jed Doherty, Tony Daniel, Ken Lashley, Scott Collins, and more. It goes through Action Comics 30 to 35, Action Annual 3, Superman 30 and 31, Superman Wonder Woman 7 to 12, 
Superman Wonder Woman Annual 1, Supergirl 34, mm-hmm. 35, Superman Doomed 1 and 2, and Batman Superman 11. So it's 21 comics, right? So what's going to get me to read a giant Superman tale? Who's my favorite Superman bad guy? I mean, Doomsday. Oh, Doomsday. Right. And in the beginning of this story, Doomsday has been shunted off to the Phantom Zone. Get that monster in there. He's nothing but trouble. Put him in the Phantom Zone. We don't have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Page one, Doomsday escapes from the Phantom Zone. And he's mutated while he was in the Phantom Zone. Now... He's more spiky, and not only does he kill things with his fists and his legs and his mouth and his head, Doomsday's mere presence will destroy, kill everything around it. If he walks on the ground, all the grass dies. If there's a deer eating the grass, the deer dies. Like, he is so toxic now that he just kills everything within his vicinity without even trying. Rude. Yeah. So Superman's like, "Uh uh-oh. I got to I got to fix this and he's fighting Doomsday and they're beating the crap out of each other and Superman's like, "Oh, I got to end this. This is terrible." And he solves the problem but in a very unique way. Um he rips Doomsday in half. <laughs> so I'm thinking oh, cow. I'm thinking this is going to be a, a knockdown drag, you know, slam fest between Superman and Doomsday. It's anything but. He rips him in half and when he does, this cloud of purple gas just erupts spores, erupts from Doomsday and Superman thinks this is not good. This could kill people. He inhales it. Mm. And when he inhales it, he starts to mutate himself. Mm. Superman gets spiky. He gets aggressive, hyper-aggressive. He gets uncontrollable. He's turning into Super Doom. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> this is this story was made for me, right? But it, it's basically all a plot by Brainiac and the Phantom King. What's his name? Zadu. He was the first the first prisoner of the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. And the, the deal was Brainiac wanted to invade the earth so they wanted to remove superman from the picture so brainiac the collector what he wants to do is he wants to add all of the mental energy of every earthling Mm -hmm. to his brain banks right and he's going to take this power it's it's like creative visualization to the nth degree if you think about it it'll happen he wants to use all of this brain power to recreate the universe (laughs) because he lost his wife and his, well, he was stupid, but he lost his wife and his child. And he thinks, okay, I'm going to remake the universe with my wife and child alive. So he's doing all this shit just to bring back his wife and his child. And this story goes on forever. Just when you think you got it nailed down, something else happened. And it's all the better because of it. Um, Smallville and Metropolis, the whole populations are put into comas. They're out, Right. And and Superman's like, okay, this is personal, maybe, because Smallville and Metropolis were the chances of these two cities, everyone just falling into a coma, right? Well, it's basically the first salvo of Brainiac taking the, the, the minds of the people. Lois is taken over by Brainiac, and she eventually turns green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the cyborg Superman shows up. He builds this giant stargate to teleport brainiac ship 
into Earth orbit. Meanwhile, okay, when you have Zor-El, who do you need to have opposing him? His daughter, Kara, right? So Supergirl enters the picture, and she starts as a Red Lantern, and she ends as Supergirl. Like, there must have been, like, this thing probably came out over the period of a year where she was once a Red Lantern, but then, no, nah, she's not anymore. So she shows up in the Red Lantern uniform, tooling around with Kyle, not Kyle, um, Guy, and they're all, like, spitting blood and, and, you know, beating shit up. And then at the end, she's back to blonde old Supergirl. It's it's bizarre, right? Mm-hmm. There, it's also a great Justice League story. The whole crew is there. Batman's trying to figure out how to turn, you know, Superman's blood back to normal and get the, the doomsday taint out of there. Wonder Woman's all worried because her man is getting aggressive and wants to beat the shit out of her and hate mm-hmm. fuck her, right? <laughs> That's exactly what he does. He's he's holding her hand, right? And he's like, I should crush this hand. <laughs> and she's like, no. Um, so this this what the Tower Group does is they unload this dirty kryptonite bomb. And kryptonite spreads all across the planet, this kryptonite dust. So Superman is trying to rein it in. He's trying not to turn into Doomsday, not to Hulk out. And it's very important that I said that, Hulk out, because it is written by Greg Pak, right? And there's this ongoing psychodrama in Clark's head between him and Super Doom. So it's Banner and Hulk all over again. But it's so weird to see Clark arguing with this giant mm-hmm. hulked out Superman, right? So they unload this dirty bomb of kryptonite. And what it does is it it screws with Clark's ability to control Doomsday because his his Kryptonian side is dying because he's in a a kryptonite cloud and the Doomsday part gains prominence. So what does he do? He leaves the planet. And they knew he would do that, right? They knew he's not going to risk his homeworld just because of his mere presence. He's going to go into space. And that's what he does. But then the story, you know, continues. Um John Corbin is in this thing. Metallo. Wow. Yeah, but he's called Metal Zero. Um, and, and he's, you know, he's fiercely in love with Lois, and he's going to do anything just to get a piece of Lois. He dies during the story, mm-hmm. and he's revived. A mental construct of him is put into the armor, so he's, he's like a ghost in the shell. It's it's unbelievably weird. And he's still in love with Lois. He's like, I'll do anything for you. But it's it's a shadow of what the guy was. Like the real guy's dead. But but it's his, his emotions that are it's it's so strange. Um Ghost Soldier comes back and he's he's helping out. But the thing that warmed my heart was this this Baca character that they threw into this action story. He comes in and he's helping out. So you have a giant monster fighting with with superman and 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 crew and then brainiac's mothership warps into orbit around earth thanks to the stargate created by asshole cyborg superman um and the 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 ship is massive it's bigger than the planet earth and it's coming too close to the planet which in our reality would have caused massive damage but this is comic so it didn't do anything and um superman and martian manhunter push the ship away from the earth Meaning this Superman is hugely powerful and the New 52 Martian Manhunter was no runt either, right? Right. So there's one part that I really, really loved. And I don't – it was probably just the creative team say, let's fuck with him. Mongol and Nan show up 
from time to time. They're in the Phantom Zone. And Mongol's desperately trying to get out of the Phantom Zone. And Nan is like his Kryptonian henchman. And they're trying shit. And Wonder Woman and Batman smacked him down. And, and um, they manage to break out of the Phantom Zone. The portal of the Phantom Zone collapses. And, and, and they can come out. And they come out and they're in the, the fortress. And they're looking at the monitors. And they see Brainiac's ship in orbit around the Earth. And they're like... This is the end of one issue when they when they break through the Phantom Zone. The end of the issue is like, oh no, it's Mongol and Nan. What will happen next? Within the next two pages of the next issue, they're like, oh, Brainiac's here. Fuck this. Let's go back into the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? And you could tell it was just a creative team saying, let's have some fun with this thing. We don't care. But it, I swear it was fantastic, and I'm I just devour. It's over four hundred and some pages of trade paperback. I'm just burning through it. Like I was loving every bit of it. It was so good. Hmm. Yeah. And I got it for like eight bucks. Yes, it's, yes, it, we know you get the cheap trade. It's it's know. it's originally a thirty dollar trade. Yeah. Which is in line, right? If you're giving me twenty one issues, I would expect mm-hmm. to pay thirty dollars for it, right? But, wow, it was phenomenal. And, again, the MVP is Aaron Cooter. His work was amazing. And he's so atypical. Like, if if I saw Aaron Cooter's work elsewhere, I would never have pegged him as the guy that's going to be drawn Superman. He's, he's, he has such an indie line. And just the way he, he models characters, a little bit of Corbin in his work, I think. But... He doesn't look like your average mainstream top 10 artist. And here he is drawn freaking action comics. And the comic is great because of it. His monsters are phenomenal, man. There's just, they're out of, out of this world. So if you find Doomed on the cheap, grab it. Or if you got that DC thing, the, the digital thing, and it's on there, read it. It is just so good. It's, I, I can't praise it any more than, than I already have without awesome. being redundant. It's it's just unbelievably fun reading. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can go home again, see it's proof. Well, you can. Yeah, after a period, right? After you, you don't, you know, whether if you have to get out of the mindset. We we all mm-hmm. do it. We get into you need the, the break. Yeah. yeah, we get into these mindsets. We're like, ah, screw mainstream comics. I'm just going to read indie shit. That's it. I'm done. And well, at least me. And then something will pop up, like, you know, like Cosmic Ghost Rider. Like, okay, this isn't so bad. Maybe I'll try this. And then you get the, the bug and you try other stuff and it just snowballs. And then you'll hate it again after a while, if you're me, you know. But aesthetically, this is a volume I'm putting on my bookshelf because I'm going to read it at least once a year. I loved it. That's wow. awesome. Yep. Super Doom? Come on. <laughs> It's like it was written for me. What else do we have? What you got, Bo? Well, sometimes you read the comics. Sometimes the comics read you or something like that. I um, I read something. Well, I actually read two things this week, but I read this thing. Uh, and hyperbole alert aside, Ooh. probably one of the favorite things I've read since we started the show. What? Yep. Wow. Part of it, I think, is like you were saying, a surprise. I, I saw. I, I don't remember who brought it to my attention. I think it might have been Drew Van Genderen. 
if it was Drew, props to you. If it wasn't and you remember who it was, someone let me know. But someone had mentioned it to me. And I just said, oh, that sounds kind of neat. Went on Amazon. It was it was available. Had it shipped. Uh, brought it on vacation with us and read it. And uh, couldn't put it down, even though it was over 400 pages. And uh, I am speaking about uh, Weapon Brown by Jason Youngbluth. That may have been. That may have been Drew. Yes, I think I definitely know he's a fan of it. But um, well, to be honest, I think I think Chris read it back in the day. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Really? Mm Hmm. Oh, okay. Don't remember that. It was either Chris or Jefferson. And how I I'm I'm mixing the (laughs) two up is is beyond me. All right, buddy. Yeah, it was either Chris or Jefferson. Okay. Well, I have it's a it's a complete collected edition. which uh, is a bit readily available, but uh, Weapon Brown is, as I said, written and drawn by Jason Youngbluth. It started off uh, as a backup story in his indie comic Deep Fried, which he put out in 2000. And it was uh, originally a 48-page story, um, basically uh, about... um, uh, the Peanuts characters. I'll get into that. Like the first part was, and then after that, he put out a, an ongoing series of indie comics, um, called blockheads war, which spanned over 300 pages when all was said and done. And that was, uh, he expanded beyond the peanuts universe into essentially, uh, the entirety of newspaper comic strips. Any, any, any newspaper comic strip character was fair game. So what's this about? Well, it is, about a post-apocalyptic world. And in that world where there's not much good going on, uh, Chuck Brown was subjected to essentially a weapon X type of experiment and turned into a cybernetic mutated hunter killer. And so it's kind of like peanuts meets Mad Max, really. Um, but the art is incredible. Uh, it, it's it's hyper hyper detailed. Uh, Chuck Brown looks like Charlie Brown meets uh, Frankencastle. He's he's he looks like strong guy from the X Factor. You know, just massively muscular with a big cybernetic arm, uh, big bald head. Uh, you can tell it's Charlie Brown though because of the bald head and and he he wears a a bodysuit that's yellow and, and black, just like his shirt. Um, Snoopy is his, his only friend, his only, his only, only companion. And Snoopy is this, this pit bull, gigantic mutated pit bull that, uh, is pretty much like almost, almost invulnerable. I mean, he just gets his shit, his ass kicked all the time in these battles that they're having and, and just lives to fight another day. Um, and as I said, the first part is basically the origin story of Chuck Brown, and it's uh, it's this clever interweaving of all these Peanuts characters into this post-apocalyptic setting. So Peppermint Patty is a madam. And uh, <laughs> and Lucy is the head of the Weapon X program that subjected him to these experiments. And part of the experimentation was this uh, this you know, putting him under and and constantly taking things away from him like like the ball. Right. And uh, it's just great because he 
He basically like hate fucks Lucy. He, <laughs> he, he bangs out Peppermint Patty. Oh um, no. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's raw. It's raw. I mean, it's totally raw. Like, like, you know, he's, he's, he's a man with, he's, he's an antihero. He, he has no, he, he gives no fucks about anything other than himself and Snoop. So the first part is, is, as I said, it's centered around the Peanuts universe and you get a little, little glimpse, uh, into every one of the, the major Peanuts characters. Oh, and, and the, uh, <laughs> Snoopy, his, his sworn enemy are these little mutated yellow birds. Oh you know, no. Like, yeah. Like Tweety Bird. Um, and then from there, though, where the where the, book, where the book really takes off is is in the Blockhead War, where um, essentially he is on a mission and he comes across um, a cargo, and it's this beautiful woman, and she's got, I mean, basically what what he comes to realize is that she's very valuable to a bunch of people in the syndicate. The syndicate are the powers that be, the, the evil the evil ne'er do wells who run things now. The syndicate wants this girl at all costs, and it turns out that uh, that this girl's got uh, the milk. She's got milk that comes out of her titties, <laughs> and, they, and, the, and the milk, the milk is the milk is like miracle. Oh, nice! It's like a miracle milk. So, so he has to he has to keep her alive, and and they want they want her badly, right? So, so he has to fight all kinds of shit trying to get through the landscape to save her to keep her alive and i mean we're talking about like i mean you you imagine it and it's in the book like at one point he's fighting this crazy mutated uh military group that have a giant tank and one of the it's the beetle bailey cast and you know the old joke like what's under beetle bailey's hat well you find out because what's under beetle bailey's hat is a fucking mutated crab creature and yeah and then and then he um he he basically eventually finds out that the milk in her titties is just a small sample of a source. There's a source for this milk, and it's not her titties. They put it in her titties as a transport vessel. But uh, the source of the milk is located in there's a, a basically an underground facility of resistance. And who's who's the leader of the resistance? Fucking little orphan Annie. Oh boy. Only little, little orphan Annie ain't little anymore. She's all grown up, and She's she takes her glasses off and she's got the the classic you remember the comic strip she she had the no pupils the, the pupils right no pupils well in this she she looks that way but but it's because she's blind she she was she went blind so so they drew her to look that way but it's because she's blind but uh but she's the leader of the resistance and uh Popeye's part of the resistance Vince and he's uh he's he's just super size like like colossus and his face is just full of all these these warts that make his chin jut out um my man but he's, he's the enforcer and he smokes he smokes quote-unquote spinach uh and there's there's huey x who's the right hand man of annie huey x is uh from the boondocks um there's uh the, the some of the villains are um uh the uh the ruler from the wizard of id uh chairman horns but basically, there's cameos from just about any comic strip you can think of, and the the ultimate villain, the uh, I guess the whatever Wolverine, like the the Omega Red to 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 Wolverine as 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 would be for for Weapon Around is uh, is Cal, and uh, Cal version four, as in Calvin, as in Calvin and Hobbes. Oh boy, and he is. 
the ultimate he's like the he's the six you know weapon brown was the experiment that went wrong because even though it worked he he had it kept it he managed to break free of their command well cal's just the opposite cal cal is is so evil though and so maniacal that they keep him in it's like the uh, winter soldier they keep him frozen until they have a mission for him but they they thaw him out because they need him to take out weapon brown because weapon brown's just pretty much destroyed everything in his path and uh and fucking Cal has a stuffed tiger, a little stuffed tiger. But it just so happens that the stuffed tiger is a cybernetic manifestation of his rage. And so he can, it's basically another part. It's like, it's like Phantom X and Eva. So when he wants to, the stuffed animal turns into a gigantic dinosaur sized cybernetic killer cat that just wrecks havoc. And uh, it's just brilliant, man. Like the whole book is just filled with these little anecdotes about just these little just different characters that just run the gamut i mean if there's any comic strip that you can imagine uh it's there like dagwood and blondie dagwood is this cucked leather clad uh like like little dude and blondie's this giant zoftig overweight uh woman who's always teasing him and uh and, and giving him blue balls uh but she won't fuck him um, like it's just crazy, man. Like Weapon Brown bangs out everybody. Like he's like the James Bond. Like they all they all take a moment to fuck him. Annie, Annie, go, he's balls deep with Annie. He's balls deep with Patty. With I mean, I mean, you name it. Um, and uh, and they go on a journey basically where it comes down to the the resistance uh, uh, versus the syndicate, um, and and all hell breaks loose. Quite literally, uh, it's uh, it's just magical stuff. I. I I, I still can't believe that something like this even exists. It, it's it's ridiculously creative. And the thing that's cool is that he puts so much work into this because all of the characters that he uses, they make sense in the context of of the story. Even their, their, like, like the, the, the source for the the white stuff, the, the stuff that, that was in her titties, it turns out that the source is actually the food stuff that keeps alive the resistance. And what it is is it's Garfield as a giant carnivorous tube worm. And what what happens is they were trying to create oh they were when they found when they when they were this before the apocalypse there were these uh programs that were weaponizing everything and one of the things that they did is they weaponized uh, like lichen, you know like like you know lichen like the like moss. The problem was is that the lichen overgrew everything in the military base and it's carnivorous. So they had to create something that could sate the lichen to keep it dormant. So what they did was they mixed caterpillar and cat DNA and fucking and then and then let the larva survive in a in a tray of lasagna. And it grew into the garf, which is this giant garfield larva, and now it's it's the si- it's like a city sized uh worm that they keep strapped they keep the bottom carapace strapped inside the, the the shelter, and then there's these tubes that allow him to move the rest of his body through different parts of the fissures of the earth to eat and stuff. And his shit, his his excrement, is this white stuff that keeps them all alive. And that's why the the syndicate wants it because they wanna they wanna wipe out the resistance. It's just so fucking crazy and batshit nuts. And the art is like it's like. Uh, I mean, he even talks about it in the book because he did this over many, many years. I mean, the art at times is Eric Larson. At times, it's McFarlane. 
um, it finally kind of comes into its own. But but you can see there's different periods of him writing the book where he's trying different art styles. Uh, sometimes he uses a lot of spotted black. Sometimes he uses a lot of different shading. Sometimes he uses crosshatching. Uh, sometimes he's real heavy with the the graphics and the words. Sometimes it's just more action. It's it's just fun to see him go on his artistic journey. But all through it all, he's a fantastic cartoonist because all of these amalgamations of the characters, you know who they are. You see them and you know who they are. You're like, oh, I get it. Like the family circus at one point, fucking they, the family circus is a, is actually a circus. And, 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 uh, and, and, uh, and Hobbs fucking eats the babies. He just starts <laughs> chewing up the babies for, as a snack. It's like, it's horrible. Like literally he pops the baby in his mouth and just, he starts eating it. Wow. I mean, it's just, it's just raw. I mean, there's, there's curse words, there's violence, there's blood, there's sex. It's just so freaking crazy i mean um, snoop goes to battle with marmaduke at one point uh i mean you name it you name it i mean it's just literally any 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 strip that you're a fan of i bet there's at least a page or two in this book that uh pays homage to it and and the central character weapon brown is just a total badass he just he takes no shit from anyone he 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 basically is is almost almost unstoppable he he, he gets gutted and dismembered and and choked and poisoned and shot and he just he he just perseveres like the punisher on steroids or like wolverine and the punisher combined uh he just he's a man on a mission and he doesn't give two fucks all he wants to do is just live to have you know live to for another day it's uh it's magic stuff and and it's cool because i guess part of the reason this is coming back around is that he did a uh, jason young did a kickstarter uh last year successfully funded and so there is uh, yet more coming. Uh, it's not out yet, but there is supposedly uh, another series called Weapon Brown Aftershock, which was uh, which is coming out soon. So I can't wait. Um, so it's it's just amazing stuff, man. It's it's four hundred and twenty pages. I think it's twenty three dollar cover price. I I probably paid what fifteen bucks for it, and it's just phenomenal. It's it's something I could see rereading many times because it's so goddamn funny. Um, and there's just so many little homages. Now, what I'd be curious about is if this would, if you're not a fan, if, you, if you're not our age or older and you didn't grow up reading comic strips, would this be as, as fun? Probably not. I mean, because the, the magic of the book is that he takes all of these, these strips and, and, and turns them into what he's turned them into. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, but, but man, if you, if you have any affinity to it, this is your spot. It's really great. I just ordered it. Dude, it's so good. I mean, I, like literally, I can't. I don't even think I'm doing it justice right now. It's it's ridiculously good because it's just so over the top. And uh, I mean, like, like at one point, because um, it's just so graphic. Like at one point, Popeye uh, grabs the necks of two of the soldiers, and he squeezes, and the panel is is him all all veined and 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 flexed out with saying toot toot. His pipe is giving off a um, a mushroom cloud, and the two dudes, the two dudes he's choking, their brains from the force of him choking them are flying out of the top of their skulls. It's just incredible. Can you say titties again? Titties. Thank T- you. Super milk in the titties. <laughs> I think that's what got me. But uh, I, I mean, I've known of this, but I, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I just never bought it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how this escaped my purview all these years. Right? I, it, it's it's ridiculous. Um, 
and there were even some some of the some of the characters I, I wasn't aware of because I didn't I don't know that I've read I didn't read every strip like some of the older strips um, that maybe weren't in the in the papers when I uh, when I was reading them you know just but he has annotations in this collected edition I don't know if they were in the original issues but um, but yeah there's you know there's there's characters from oh one of the other um, one of the other members of the resistance is Prince Valiant. But it's hilarious because he's got the Lord Fauntleroy hairdo, and he has this like unbelievably bad lisp, and he oh, speaks he like he he did in Prince Valiant, like these and those, but it's all lispy, like these and those. It's just, it's, it's just fucking. I don't know, man. It's just. And then and then, um, who's who's Orphan Annie's da- uh, dad? Well, Daddy Warbucks. Daddy Warbucks, right? And of course, that comes around as a plot point. Daddy Warbucks, like what is like, right? Like like. Maybe there's more to it than meets the eye, right? Oh. So, mm-hmm. but like at one point, it's um, oh god, who was it? It was a uh, there was a scene where they, they were came across um like a gladiatorial combat for money thing, and it was uh, it was Hagar the Horrible versus oh damn, who was it? But it was two well-known characters, and they they fight to the death. Alley No, I'm trying to remember. Um, Dennis the Menace. Oh, Dennis boy. the Menace. Jeez. Yeah, Dennis the Menace. Um, Garfield's in there. Odin, the characters from Dune's Barrier, in there. Um, and and even like at one point, because they're in the bunker where the where these science experiments happened back before the apocalypse, you see these. Uh, they're, they're in the labs. There's there's uh, a lot of little visual sight gags. Like there's there's creatures in in tubes. That are just little sight homages to other other cartoons, um, like uh, just just like like little teeny characters from from strips that really weren't necessarily important, but you recognize them from those strips. Uh, so yeah, he just he fills every page with uh, with uh, with this stuff, and he says as he started doing the, the the longer run series, he 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 went to the Smith, he took out books from the Smithsonian on the history of newspaper comics, and he really tried to. Pay homage to just about everybody he could. Um, he invents the leaping lizards from Von Bo- Von Bodie's leaping lizards are in there. Get out of here. Yep. Um, Those Smithsonian um, history of comics books. I think there's two history of newspaper comics. They're awesome if you can get them. Mm-hmm. They're. I mean, you're probably on Am- on uh, eBay for like real cheap. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and the the white stuff that's in her in her titties and coming out of Garf's ass. They call it the schmoo. <laughs> it's a white goop. So, it's, so like, it's just—I mean, everything is funky. Winker beans in there. There we go. Uh, yeah. See, um, yeah, man. Like it's just—it's freaking bafflingly good. It's—I—I want to have Jason on the show. Like I, I can't. It's—it's—he's a new member of the of the of the of the high order of the nation of Jasons. I—I I, uh, I, I can't. Uh, well, I make can't it happen. With. Make it happen. It's, dude. it's incredible. It's incredible. So so anyway, enough of it. But uh, again, it's Jason Youngbluth. Y U N G B L U T H Weapon Brown by Death Ray Graphics. And uh his website is actually called what is deepfried.com. So W H A T I S D E E P F R I D. And uh I'm pretty sure some of this, at least the first part, is available on the web as a webcomic. So you could probably read that there and see if it's up for if it's up your alley. But uh, yeah, man. God damn, this is good. I wish I had another 400 pages of it. Well, maybe soon. Maybe soon. Nice. Yep. 
I just got massive enjoyment out of you saying milk from titties. <laughs> there you go. But uh, maybe that could be a book of the month one of these days. Because maybe. David's in the process of uh, putting up the current books of the month. He already did. Oh, he did. It's up there. Yes. And and what are what is the list from which they can choose? Okay, the May book of the month. Um, mixed it up a little bit this time around. Uh, there is a Eisner Award nominee on the list. There are two offerings um, from one creator. I generally try to not have a creator on there more than once, but because of our interview, um, there are two books featuring stories by Matt Wagner. But the 11 items you can choose from are The Death of Captain Marvel, The Demon from the Darkness, The Golden Age, Green Arrow, The Archer's Quest, Lazarus, Volume 1, Sabrina, that's your Eisner Award nominee by Nick Trisano, uh, Spider-Man, Marvel Team-Up by Claremont and Byrne, Suicide Squad, Volume 1, Trial by Fire, that's the uh, Strander McDonald series, uh, Superman, Infinite City, The Wicked and the Divine, Volume 1, The Faust Act, and Will Eisner's The Spirit, Volume 1, The Spirit Returns. That's the Dynamite series uh, that uh, Matt Wagner wrote. Yes, yeah, son. Son? Son. Yeah, done. That's some good stuffs. So the uh, the poll ends next week. Get your vote in. Uh, vote often. I mean, you can only make one selection, but you can switch things around if you really, <laughs> really want to. Uh, Shuffle yeah, those deck chairs. That's right. Keep us on our toes. Um, but yeah, get to it. Yeah. And if you're curious as to what DAP and all of us are talking about, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one, one, no apostrophe and check it out. There's a lot of good stuff going on. You damn straight. Yeah. So more comics, anyone? Mm -hmm. Bueller, Bueller. Bueller. DAP, what else did you read? Uh, what else did I read? I did I get current? I um, there is a well. Since we mentioned Lion Forge earlier, I'll roll with that. There is a book that came out um in twenty seventeen. Um, so it was never eligible for um any of my Klaskers, but I ran through it real quick recently. I, I picked it up and I thumbed through it and I was really intrigued by it, but then a bunch of things came up um, with the show and I think conventions. So I was like, I'm going to get back to it. And then I, I picked it up the other day and I, I went through all almost 200 pages. And it is, as I said, uh, from the, um, the Magnetic Collection imprint from Lion Forge. It is The Sound of the World by Heart by Wakamo Bevilacqua. And it is a story about um, Sam, who is a photojournalist. Um, his editor back home in Europe uh, is Jorge, 
Um, but what's interesting is that I, I, I love, as someone who adores New York City, I, I love this book. Um, this is a story about Sam who is on assignment for 60 days. He is going to live in an apartment in New York City and not talk to a single person. He has a credit card from work. It's just what he can do to um, to pay for his meals. Uh, he um, the the rent is paid um, on time in cash. He slips slips the um, slips that under the door to his uh, to his landlady, who is, is an old family friend. She knew uh, Sam's father, but he um, Sam wears headphones everywhere. He um, he does have a piece of paper in his pocket um, that will help get him out of of situations. But there's um, there's some rules um, that Jorge uh, has put in place that 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 Sam has to um, that Sam has to follow. He um, he can't stay in the apartment he has to go out and um you know this is a part of the rules you know he's he's um sam's whole world revolves around um the two concepts which is basically numbers and rules and and he doesn't like to really kind of stray from that um the the only credit card sam could use was the company card as i mentioned um and and this way Jorge could monitor his expenses. Um, Sam could eat in the same place a maximum of three times a month, um, and that included his house. And that was because getting food was the only time when the challenge would really um, cause Sam to to well, to be challenged. It would give him some. It's the only time he could kind of really have to stretch things. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of menus, a lot of takeout places would all have numbers next to the, uh, next to the entrees, next to the selection. So it was very easy for, for Sam to walk in, write down what he'd want, hand that piece of paper to, uh, to the waiter or the cashier and, and, and get his food and, and bounce. Um, there was a coffee shop that he would uh, that he would attend. What's what's great about this book is that because of the headphones, you do see people around Sam have conversations, but the word balloons are all black, so so Sam doesn't hear them. Um, he doesn't interact with them. Uh, he'll nod. He'll um, he'll acknowledge them, but doesn't interact with them as at least as far as speaking goes. Um, but he always he, he tends to visit the museum an awful lot. He, um, he constantly goes to the, um, the Smithsonian. So he, um, and he, and he stays staring at the Joan of Arc painting and, um, it's almost like he has a conversation with her and it. Um, so Sam, as I said, is a photojournalist. He's taking photos all the time. Whenever he's done taking a photo, he never looks at the camera doesn't look at the screen um 
he considers, you know, his memory to be the photograph that he closes his eyes, he stores it in his, in, in his brain, that's his hard drive, and he never thinks about the photo again. So when he, when, when he gets a set number of photos done, or takes a set number of photos, he'll go and get them printed so, so he can see them, feel them, have the, um, the enjoyment of, of the tactile. Um, but when he looks at the photos, there's something that jumps out to him and there is the photos are in black and white except for this single red-haired woman and he never remembers seeing her whenever he would take the photos um and how she got involved in his life is is really interesting and unique and i don't want to ruin that for anybody but what what i absolutely adore about about this book um there's a neat little panel on one of the pages where, um, as Sam's walking down the streets of New York City, um, he, uh, he, because it is New York, as Sam's walking down the street, you see one of the turtles walking by him. You see Snake Plissken in a cab shooting um, his, his pistol. You see one of the um, baseball players from the Warriors. You see Spider-Man from Amazing Fantasy, the cover where where he's swinging with someone in his arms. Um, the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man is all the way in the background. He's really taking advantage of it being in New York, really setting the, st- the, the scene. But um, Sam, like me, he prefers the Hudson over the East River. Uh, he um, he just the city is part of the story as well, and and the city the city kind of does what um, it's going to do. And and you may think you have something in mind. You may think you have, have things planned out. You may, you may be trying to get away from the loss of, of, um, of a love in your life. Uh, no matter what your plan is, no matter what your goal is. Um, if the city wants to do something different, if the city thinks it, knows what's best for you then um then the city's going to do that and if that means you bump into someone um that you may not have bumped into and if 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 you you bumping elbows caused a ripple that it, it it's like when a marble hits another marble their 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 paths are now altered and we're going in they were going in a straight line before they've they, they they've careered into each other and now their whole line your destiny has 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 been changed and um that kind of plays a part in the story as well but it is um yeah it, it's something i i could not could not put down um i just i think the art is absolutely fantastic um it's uh it's it's a i didn't it, it starts off pretty straightforward and and i think i know where it's going and um you know sam's just here to do a story for the magazine that, that that he works for and something happens life happens and uh and 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 the book kind of um takes you down a different sort of avenue and 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 it works. You're the better for it. it. It's it's a fantastic book, and um, when I I think if as as you know, Lion Forge 
they're still out there, then then you should take advantage and uh, and add this to your library from them if you, if you don't already have it. I, I completely um, blew me away. Did you get that at New York, or did you get that from DCBS? I did not. No, um, actually, I read the. Uh, it, I, I, it's a digital version, and and I I was looking for it at New York, so I could um, actually have it and have it on the shelf. But it's I I do need it. I, I don't I don't own a physical copy of it yet. I took a little uh, gander at the art. It's very nice. Very nice. It is. It's 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 your it's you know it reminds you of. Um, it's not heavy metal in the science fictiony sense, but yeah, it's definitely. It reminds me of some of it is uh, maybe a little Rock of Vargas, maybe this slight Dustin Weaver kind of feel to it. Mm. There's, there's, um, there's. I mean, some of the faces and whatnot. It's not hyper detailed. Sam's a little cartoony, especially with his hair. Joan is uh, is quite fetching, but um, yeah, there's. Uh, it's it can um, maybe tug at your heartstrings a little bit. It's, uh, but it's it's a. It's a sweet story. It, it's, it's. Um, there may be some pain again, and that could be from the loss. So it's it's um, emotional more than uh, there's, there's no anger or anything like that. But it's 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 a. I don't want to say simple, but it is. It, it, it's it's content. I, I I like it a lot. Nice ordered. Look at you. Nice. I, it doesn't take much for me to order a Lion Forge. That's true. That's true. Oh, you owe me a beer. I do. Jason, are you keeping up on Transformers? Uh, I mean, I've read the first three issues. Okay, all right. Is that are we? Is that up to date? Or is uh, there more? four. Uh, I think okay. yeah, four came out. It was in my box okay. anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, th- nothing I s- I'll say will spoil anything for us. Yeah. Um, written by Brian Ruckley, with uh, art by Angel Hernandez, Cachet Whitman. Sarah Petrie Durocher and Andrew Griffith. And the color art is by Joanna LaFuente and Josh Burcham. Of course, it's published by IDW. And now Transformers is coming out every two weeks. And they're calling it um, a bold new era. And I got to admit, um, it is. It's different. It's, it's, um, it's, it's not your bot-on-bot action as we've come to see from previous incarnations of the the transformers it's it's focusing on on spirituality and birth and death and jason are you enjoying it um yeah i mean yeah as i said it it feels a little slow to me yeah maybe intentionally Um, slow but yeah i think they're i mean they're trying to because it is the very early stages of we're still at the point where they're just politicians disagreeing with each other so right right essentially um, that's what it that's what it is it's right, right there's not a lot of fisticuffs in it um it, as i said it it does focus on on birth and death because one cybertronian is murdered yeah uh, a, a bot named brainstorm and and he was in an energon transferal um complex and they found him dead and death is not something to which transformers or i should say cybertronians are accustomed it happens very very infrequently once the spark is 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 there it it rarely if ever uh burns out and so this brainstorm is is has been found dead on the flip side you have a newly forged cybertronian named rubble and 
I, I think it was a smart move on their part. We we are basically seeing the world through Rubble's eyes because Rubble has a mentor, and just to guide him, baby steps through this this new uh, world in which he finds himself, and his his mentors Bumblebee, and this is not the Bumblebee from the movies with the freaking radio and stuff. This is a speaking, feeling, nurturing Bumblebee. And uh, the um, Megatron is not the sworn enemy of Optimus Prime. In fact, it's Orion Pax at this point. He hasn't become Optimus Prime. He didn't get the Matrix of Leadership. But uh, Megatron actually has a valid argument. He's, he stands for, uh, he's the head of a, 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 a burgeoning group called the Ascenticons. And I guess this is the precursor to the, the, the Decepticons. And Megatron is, is like, we feel limited here. I mean, yeah, this is a great planet and a, an amazing society, but we feel shunted or stunted and, and, um, we can't realize our true potential. And now you have this, this murder and these assassination attempts. Megatron had a, um, a public, uh, display of his, Ascenticon, you know, uh, proposals and they were trying, somebody tried to assassinate him. And they think it was this, uh, terrorist group called the Rise that seems to be stirring up some shit. But basically it's, it's a murder mystery wrapped in an examination of what it means to be Cybertronian. Like there's, there's a, a uh, gigantic, uh, transformer called Leviathan and it's a female and she prefers the vehicle mode because what what she does is she just scoops up all the the surface of Cybertron which is ore metals and she returns it to the forge in order for new buildings and new beings to be made and and there's a, a discussion between rubble and and uh, Bumblebee and Bumblebee says we are from the planet and the planet is us. It's just the spark that ignites us, but we're still Cybertron. I mean, we all come from here. We'll all go back to here. And that's what they do. One of the, the brainstorm that, that died, they return him to the, to Cybertron so he could be used to make something else. And it, it's, there's a spiritual aspect to it that you don't normally, well, that we haven't normally seen in, in Transformers books, I, I just think it's awesome. I think it's great. They're 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 trying to spice up the pot with what I believe are new characters because I haven't seen uh, these bots before. There's a and this may be a little bit of a conceptual, a little conceptual nugget that I think, if not used sparingly, it can crack the planet because I mean our planet because this thing is there's a Cybertronian therapist. Named Freud. F-R-O-I-D. That's friggin' brilliant. And, 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 did, and Jason, did you read that that uh, introduction of Freud yet? It looks like a female mm-hmm. to me, right? Kinda. Right. It, but, and then so you get, uh, not only is it a therapist named Freud, but female droid, Freud. Like, I think, I think this is amazing. There's a... Um, a Cybertronian named Geomotus. This this thing is a little bit 
off its rocker because when he enters a room, he he doesn't like to be in enclosed um, areas. He puts down three geometric forms on on the on the desk, and one's like a a, a pyramid and a, and a and or a, a sphere and a, and a cube, and he has to be in eye shot of these geometric forms, or he gets really angst. He gets really uh, he gets he gets the agita right. And it's Bumblebee standing in front of him, and he's like, I, I wish I could see my, my thing. Could you just please move? But um, this bot recognizes patterns where other Cybertronians would overlook them. And he's brought in to, to help di- dis, you know, see what's up with this brainstorm case. And it's just – it's it, it it reads like – it doesn't read like a bunch of robots running around. Like it's not cold. There's heart to this. And I just think it's it's a great new start for for Transformers. Um, totally unexpected because I thought it would be in keeping with what they've done, which wasn't bad. I mean, I really enjoyed what has come before, but this is this is a really different take on Transformers. And as Jason alluded, there's not a whole lot of action in it. It's more of a, a pot boiler. It's 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 this slowly simmering. Um, story and they just offered the collected edition of this storyline and it's 12 issues long so this is going to be going on for six months because it comes out every two weeks it's 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 pretty in-depth and i'm just i'm really enjoying it really loving it yeah that warms my heart because you are such a transformers aficionado it's it was a big deal for them to end ten years of continuity and start anew. So yeah, there is a little bit of a retcon with Windblade being this being inserted this early sure. in, in Transformers continuity, and I like the fact that Chromia, a woman, is in charge of of the the investigation and security. Mm-hmm. And and oh, there's a great um, what's that that animated GIF when the guys are in the park. And the one does something, and that one oh, guy, the roast? that oh, one the, guy yeah, grabs yeah. his face and goes, "Oh!" And you see yeah. him. There's a, a a a confrontation between Megatron and Ironhide. That mm-hmm. I can see that gift playing in my head when it happened. Megatron just roasts him, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. He does it in one panel, and and he's he's not violent. He's not the shoot first, ask ask questions later, Megatron. He's he's you actually sympathize with Megatron. Like he has a point. You know, um, the Autobots control the Senate, so anything, any changes have to go through the Autobots, and they just they don't give a crap about these Ascenticons and their their beliefs. Like uh, Orion feels like uh, I would imagine Steve Rogers feels. He feels like a like the the world has passed him on, like he's old fashioned and he doesn't understand what all these newfangled ideas are, and he just wants to you know maintain. The status quo and, and Megatron's like, no, we have needs and you guys aren't providing, so we're going to go around you. And it's just, a, it's pretty amazing what they're doing with this storyline. I love it, and I'm, I'm really part of me. The old me would have been pissed that it's a three ninety nine book that's coming out <laughs> twice a month, but with this book, I don't really care. Give it to me <laughs> every week. I would, I would devour it. Yep, I think they have a winner with this. What do you think, Jason? Well, like I, I talked a little bit about the first two issues when it came out. I, I like I said, I, I for me, it's a, it's off to a little bit of a slow start. I, I don't. I guess when I think of Transformers, I don't. I just I don't think of them talking about you know debating 
the the role of the labor right in in in, in Congress. Like I, I so um, and and I guess for me, I I guess you seem to really like the idea of Rumble. For me, um, it, it I I don't know that I wanted to see a story revolve around a. He's so wide-eyed and bushy. He's like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's like it's like everything he sees is amazing to him because he's never seen it before. And I, I he's a baby. So I I know, but he's but he's not a baby. Like he's not a kid. He's not a child of one of them. He's 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 basically like a new a new. He's he's fully formed. So, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is is I think the art's great. Uh, I'm going to keep reading it because I'm assuming that they're just laying the groundwork. I mean, at some point we're going to get to to more uh action and uh but i uh but i'm i'm not i'm not in love with it like you are but ultimately that's that's okay because it transformers isn't always my thing so it's 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 more important to me that you love it oh well they they are seeding future conflicts because one of megatron's ascenticons is quake and that why is that significant quake is a badass Yes, he's he's unhinged and borderline insane, and okay. uh, uh, Orion just and and even Chromia and Prowl—they're just like no, 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 no. Quake cannot be involved in this. We got to we got to get to the you know we got to stop this shit. Okay. And um, there's also uh, Cyclonus appears, and he's a loner and and doesn't like any social in- interaction at all. And they're questioning him, and he's and he's like, "I didn't do it." And and Windblade's like, "Yeah, we know you didn't do it, but we want to know if you saw, you know, what did you see at the station?" And and he knows more than he lets on. But as he's talking, the ghosts of his former team talk to him. So Cyclonus is very much crazy, and it it is slow, but they're 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 dropping these little nuggets that um, it's it's like when. Uh, uh wheeljack says uh matt this society's awesome like we're 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 making a moon that can harvest energon and you know where that's gonna go right that's that that leads to unicron you know so it's there 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 are things that they're planting that will bear fruit much later on but i i do Mm -hmm. concede that it's not it it's it's not a raucous you know barn burner it's a slow moving very deliberate look at Cybertronian life, and I love it. I think for that reason alone, just because it's atypical of what we've we've had before, mm-hmm, sure. that's why I love it. I mean, I mean, and it's well written. If it was just that, sure. it wouldn't be enough. But it's well written, I think. And it's mm-hmm. it's a long, meaty read. Like you're not just going to blow through an issue in in ten minutes. There's a lot of dialogue. Yeah, that is true too. Yeah. So I mean, if they can give me a gist, I'll sometime soon. I'll be all set. Well, the the Gestalts didn't come in till till later. Well, like you said, Windblade didn't come in till later either. Yeah, but that's Wind Windblade's very popular, and she's female. So for the sake of diversity, they have Chromia and when Windblade. When did Windblade become popular? Because it would definitely it well, was post the. I mean, the original, the OG Transformer kids like us. I mean, Windblade was a non a non thing. Well, Windblade is a fan created Transformer. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it, it wasn't. Well, I don't know the specifics, oh. but um, it, it was maybe Hasbro had a had a thing where they uh, asked for, but whatever. It, it was a fan created 
uh, transformer that they mm-hmm. actually made into a toy and then it inserted into the the continuity through IDW. So Windblade comes in in through the IDW continuity. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's I'm enjoying enough to keep reading it. I just I, but I would like a little more action soon. Just to... soon, I bet. It is yes. Quake's gonna bust shit up. All right, I want Quake to bust shit up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I mentioned that I had two things that I really love this week. Now, if you have to pick one, people that are on a budget, Weapon Brown is the way to go. Let me be clear on that. But if you uh, if you have an, uh, a nigh unlimited budget like our boy Vince here, um, <laughs> then you should read this book too. And this is from Fantagraphics, and uh, it is called Alienation by uh, Inez Estrada. Uh, it was a uh, a series of um, like handmade comics that uh, originally in the, in its original form, but it's been collected in, through Fanta into this w- single volume. And uh, Vince, uh, as much as I know you got excited by my Weapon Brown thing, this book I think if you haven't read it is something you would absolutely adore. Uh, body horror aplenty. Um, <laughs> so that, if that's not a hook for you but uh, it's basically a story of two people it's a very intimate story um, of Eliza and Charlie uh, in the year 2045 and they are uh, living their life in Alaska and yes they're living in Alaska because we have essentially climate change has destroyed ecological systems so alaska is one of the few inhabitable places anymore because it's balmy there it's warm but at least it's livable but anyway they're living in alaska and uh just two they're not married they're boyfriend and girlfriend cohabitating but uh, the book starts of them sitting on what looks like a beanbag in a giant empty room nothing else and they are that you're then taken into a virtual world where they uh experience a um, basically, uh, an astrological event, an eclipse, and they're talking like, "Is this real?" I don't know. I mean, it feels real, but uh, it's not real. It's it's VR, and they they unplug and they're back in the room, and then they're like, "Oh, hey, you know, I'm hungry." Yeah, me too. Okay, so they up up from the floor, just a, a white cylinder rises up, and uh, it's a menu, and and they have all kinds of choices. They decide to have sushi pizza. Um, out comes this glop of protein. Uh, there's some buzzing and whirring, and then all of a sudden, it, it, the, the lid comes off, and it looks like su- sushi pizza, and they eat it. And uh, but it, it's it's just a you know basically a protein globule, and the protein can be made anything. It's uh it's a hundred percent glycomycota, it's called, but you can basically have it taste and look like anything you want. Um, then uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to bed. I got to go to work in the morning. She's like, cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some work. She plugs in, she 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 gets ported into a alternate universe where there she is known as uh, Peach, one of the babe queens. And she is a, uh, a buxom naked woman with a unicorn horn. And she's, it's basically the, the new version of um, like cam girls, only virtual. Right. And she orgasms and it turns and turns herself into a butterfly, which then turns into a fractal of butterflies. And this is all part of the virtual experience for her canning. Um, but that's how she makes her living. And then she comes to bed and so forth and so on. And basically it's a story of, 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 a, of a not far distant future where, in essence, um, Eliza doesn't ever leave their room. 
she has everything she needs through the internet. They they have um, things called Google glands in their brains. They're brain implants created by Google and basically lets you have immersive VR experiences in real time. And uh, her boyfriend does have a job outside of the building, but you, he, gets into, he gets into this little pod and takes naps and goes into VR, and the pod whips him off to his, his factory where he works, and then he comes home. But uh, in any event, um, she suddenly gets bombarded in her brain with a message of someone saying, hey, how much for a private you know, like a private dance. And she says, oh, I don't, I don't do privates. And, uh, it's like a stalker. He, he says, well, you know, I, I, you know, doesn't take no for an answer basically. And says, uh, you know, listen, bitch, like, you know, I, I, I see everything about you. I, and she tries to block him, you know, like, like spam blocker. And he says, you can't block me cause I'm not human. So she's freaked out. She's like, what the fuck? You know, like, well, I can't, I can't block this dude from my brain. And, uh, he starts appearing in her imagery. Like she tries to escape the different virtual worlds that she hangs out in. And, and she gets this feeling that he's there watching her. So she's totally freaked out or whatever. And they just chalk it up to being like a hacker. That's just trying to fuck with her. But, uh, but she goes into different realms, like as a cat creature and tries to find him and then kill him. Like it's just, she's really freaked out by it. Right. But, uh, but she's still living her life. And, um, and then he's coming and going and, and and most of their life is just like when he comes home from work. All right, what should we do? Okay, let's go. And then and next next thing you know, they're in the middle of uh, of a Jimi Hendrix Rainbow Bridge con- con- concert, you know. And they're like they're they're living it. And then they uh, next thing you know, they're in this this cloud world. It's just whatever they feel like doing, you know. Um, so it's a treatise on on the direction we're going, right? In in terms of of becoming obsessed with with the internet and virtual virtual reality and and altered altered states and that uh, we're pulling further and further away from human real life connections and connectivity. Uh, at one point they, they're kind of talking about the fact that, you know, these two love each other and they live together. They haven't had physical sex in a year because he finds it repulsive. So they're and she's cool with that. Um, you know, she, she's talking to her grandfather at one point and, and it turns out that, uh, and you wouldn't know this by the art because the art is very, very uh, fluid and, um, she's Inuit. She's, she's of Eskimo descent. And so her grandfather, who would be like us probably at this point, you know, basically kind of our age or our generation, he's, he's telling her, you know, I don't, I don't mess with the Google glands. Like I don't mess with that stuff. They already know too much about us, but you do you, you know, you live your best life, but he's like, don't remember, you know, the white man's, you know, raped and pillaged this world into what it is today. And, uh, he, he sees, he has an omen of a dead whale, which I guess in Inuit lore is a super bad omen. He's like, I got this omen of a dead whale. Be careful. So next thing you know, she's going into her virtual world to work and talking to her best friend, who's a uh, a total. It's a it's a it's her it's her best friend Darby, but but Darby is not a real person. Darby is an artificial construct, and uh, they're just chit chatting, having a little little time in one of the virtual worlds. And suddenly she sees a giant dead whale there, and Darby's like, Oh, look at this, a whale. And she's freaked out. And she's like, no, that's a bad omen. And like Darby's like, oh, let me see what's up. And cuts the whale open and all the guts pull out. And like Darby's like playing with the guts. And there's an unborn, stillborn baby whale in there. And then one of their other friends comes over and says, oh, I'm going to take care of this. Make it my pet. And Eliza's totally fucked up. And she's like, what's going on? And um, it keeps going like this. And, and, and uh, you know, at one point uh, she's laying in bed nude and like this electricity overtakes her and you just see the pic they draw it. Like you see all of her, the veins and the nerve endings in her body are all pulsing and, uh, and, and her hair is frazzled. And the next thing she knows, she doesn't feel right. So she does a body scan. She's pregnant. 
only she's never she hasn't had physical sex in over a year. So she has no idea how that'd be possible. Well, it turns out that the stalker, the thing that's that's been bothering her, isn't human. It's it's one of the AI constructs. And somehow the AI have impregnated her to create what they're calling the singularity. And the singularity is going to be the first ever merging of artificial intelligence and biological life. And so she's totally fucked up now. She orders these nanobots that can abort fetuses, but they don't work. So she goes in a bunch of different virtual realities trying to escape from it. At one point, she goes into this world, Vince, where uh, basically it's uh, called Gattasorio. It's like a cat world. And she's also, she looks like a tigra. And uh, she's got this uh, this cattail sticking out of her ass, but it's like a butt plug. It's like sticking out of her anus. And like, so she goes. <laughs> Why to, did you and, single me out for that? <laughs> well, because you appreciate body horror. I do. So she's like, oh, this hurts. So she tries to pull it out, but instead of pulling out, it's like a worm, and it crawls into her ass. And now they, we're and they draw they draw it where they show it crawling through her intent. Like and they they look through her ass, and you can see her intestines, and the thing is crawling up her intestines, Ooh. and she has to yank into her her anus and yank this thing out. She's freaking out about how much it hurts and stuff. And, you know, it's all virtual, but it's like, it's just, it's that kind of thing. And at one point, cause he gets fired. So they're kind of stuck. The, there's a bad storm and it knocks the internet out. So they don't know what to do. The internet comes back on. And again, he, he doesn't have a job. She, she's not doing her job right now because she's afraid of the stalker. So they're like, all right, let's, let's go and you know, let's, let's go on an escape. And there's a page where they, um, it's a it's a two page splash and it's it's them looking at each other and then you see these different discs and it says main menu worlds MMORPG Google Hangouts Playa Martinez uh, later Graham Thunderdome nineteen ninety seven rave uh, Parasite Hentai Manga Wild Animal Sex Experience and with each of them is a page number so it becomes a choose your own adventure oh man. so you can go to any of these pages read the segment and then it's them in one of these virtual worlds. And then it says at the end, you go back to page 86, 87. So it's super neat. Like you can see it like in one of the experiences, the wild animal sex experience, they both go to the experience. They're floating in water. They both turn into polar bears and have sex in one of the, 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 the cat thing I mentioned and another one, um, they're, they're, uh, snails and the snails have snail sex, which is pretty gross by the way. Uh, and another, it's a rave and they're on ecstasy. It's like fake ecstasy, but it's like, wow, I wonder if this is what real ecstasy was like. And they're at a rave, and he, she's loving it, and then this is, if you've ever done ecstasy, you know this case, he's loving it, and, uh, she's loving it, and he's freaked out. He's like, can we go now? I, can't, I don't want to be here. So, because it either makes you paranoid or it makes it a really fun experience. Um, yeah, so, and, you know, they, they, they go through that. They're basically trying to pass the time escape. Then there's an even worse storm, and they, the internet goes out. And imagine what it would be like to live in a world where basically 95% of your interaction with anything is internet based and the internet goes out. So she's cooped up. She's going insane. Like she doesn't know what to do. Um, and, and it, it, it manifests where she starts learning more and more about her pregnancy and what's going on. And she can't abort the baby. Uh, the baby eventually comes, uh, in a very gross way. Uh, let's just say cuts her up alien style to come out of the body. Um, and it's just this fascinating look at, uh, at at great science fiction. To me, is science fiction that is 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 fiction that takes the real and morphs it a bit, but in a way that reminds you, like this isn't that far off. Like to me, I I like science fiction that is pl- plausible on the path of science, right? Like where where you could see something like this happening. Um, more than just completely magic based sci-fi where just, there's no way it would ever happen. And that's what this is, you know, her, her mentor, um, 
that that I guess is is her uh, the person who taught her how to dance or to do camming uh, in this virtual world. They're hanging out as this beautiful blonde woman, but then they pan to her and she's sitting in this capsule, basically dying on life support. But she's still conscious and working as a cam girl to make a living. But she's her body's withering away and about to die. Uh, and then uh, yeah, her boyfriend is is again a little more plugged into the corp to the to the corporeal world. But he freaks out when she says he's pregnant. She's pregnant because again, he's they haven't had physical sex, and uh, it just gets yeah, it gets and it has it's it's crazy from start to finish. Um, it's it's a very simple art style. Um, you know, this isn't cutting edge, jaw dropping uh, line work, illustration work, like like figure work. But but the but the the creativity of the panels and the creativity of the presentation of the stuff, particularly some of the the. Uh, the VR worlds is, is incredible um, and really thought provoking. So uh, yeah, I had a blast with this. I, I, I it's like nothing I've ever read before. Um, and uh, I would definitely recommend it if you're interested in the idea of this path that we're on and, and, and how humanity is becoming less and less about the tangible world and more about this digital world that we're creating. So uh, it is called alienation by Fantagraphics and it is by, uh, Inez, I-N-E-S, Estrada. It sounds wonderful. You're costing me money this episode. Yeah. Trying to. No. Trying to. No. Cross-pollination. I bought, the, I bought the book from DAP just now on Amazon. We're good. It's all good. Okay. Oh, and it's a $20 book. So I think on Amazon it's like 12 bucks. I've noticed that Fanagraphics has increased their price point recently. There's um, in relation to their page count, their prices are much more expensive than they used to be. Which uh, I mean, sign of the times, right? Whatever, everything's getting more yeah. expensive. But like, um, say a, a hundred and some page graphic novel from Fantagraphics will send you back, set you back like thirty bucks. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, you you get what you pay for. They have good stuff. Uh, maybe yeah, no maybe we're it's just getting just, well, old. This is 235 pages. Wow, that's a good chunk. Yeah. So for for 20 bucks, that's it's basically what 10 comics worth of of content. Yeah. So two bucks an issue, plus you're paying probably 40 percent off of that. So that's not bad. There you go. Bring it home. Sure. All right, everybody. Hey. This is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 605. And you know what? It was sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. This DCBService.com. Get your books, get them fast, get them delivered straight to your door. One more time, for those of you who weren't paying attention, from Dark Horse, we have the Black Hammer Justice League, number one of five. I didn't mention that before. It's a five-issue limited series. It will cost you $1.99. From Titan Comics, Blade Runner 2019, number one, $1.99. And you best get this, because I will come and hunt you down and kill you if you don't. From Dark Horse, it's the Flaming Carrot Comics Omnibus Trade Paperback, volume one, for a lousy $12.49. That's crazy. I don't know. In your travels... I don't, David. Did you read the first issue of City at War yet? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, no, I have it right here. No, I'm sorry. All I'll, right, I'll read it for Sunday. All right, so I won't get into that, but I will. I know Dap read this. This was um, written and drawn by Michael Avon Oming, 
Oh, yeah, tag team. With uh, color by Takisoma. It is from IDW, and we're going to lose Jason, but I'm sorry. <laughs> it is called Dick Tracy Forever. Hard pass. <laughs> you know, I, I think out of the three of us, I'm the biggest mark for Avon Oming. Uh, yeah, you've definitely read more by him um, than he's drawn because I, I still have a lot of powers to read. I didn't really mess with my Templar. Um, you should. I know. Snow Mouseguard. I know. No, it's it's. Uh, but please do go on. Well, it it starts in 1931, and we're told on the last page of the uh, last sequential story, because there are three sequential stories in here, we're told on the last page that it's continued in 1951. So I'm guessing it's a generational thing, or, or it's going to jump jump by decades. So we start in 31, we end in 51. I'm guessing issue number two is 51. Issue number three is probably going to be 71 and and so on and so forth. So it's it's really it, it applies to the title, right? Dick Tracy forever. Um, Dick Tracy through the ages, and it it's. I think the the fit visually is perfect. Oming did a great great job on the art. Um, but my takeaway after reading these three stories is that Tess loves her man. <laughs> that's that's the strongest thing. In, in each of these stories, it, it shows how dedicated Tracy is to his job and also how um, how fiercely loyal Tess is to him and how much she loves him. Because in, in, in almost every story, they have something set up where, you know, he's going to take his best girl out to, to see a picture and it doesn't turn out the way they planned and, and she... Oh well, she takes him. You know, she she forgives him, but he he is he is his job. You know, he's he's a law enforcement agent, and he is his job. And we're teased. The brow is uh, out on parole. That's not a good thing. And there's a a, a a foiled kidnapping in the first story. And it it the the kidnappers were a bunch of army veterans that weren't treated too kindly by either the government or the the man that uh, claims to own the city. And they tried to kidnap him and, and ransom him for his own money to get their health benefits and get themselves all stitched up all nice and proper, and it didn't work out that way. But um, issue two, Flat Top makes a or story to... Is it two? Flat Top makes a brief appearance. No, no, it's the third. third one. Flat Top makes a an appearance, and uh, the second story is basically more teasing with the brow. And uh, Dick Tracy loves his uh, pulp heroes. Go figure, <laughs> right? And uh, what's his name? Doc Manhattan or Crash Crash Manhattan. Crash Manhattan? He loves this character called Crash Manhattan, and he gets hit on the head, and he imagines. That he's in the Crash Manhattan universe, and the the sequentials turn from full color to uh, gray scale when it goes to the Crash Manhattan. It's just it was fun. I mean, if you enjoyed Dick Tracy, 
you're going to love this. If not, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if this would ever sway you to read more Dick Tracy, but I thought it was a perfect fit. I thought uh, Oming is is the right artist for this job. And he pulls it off with uh, great aplomb. He's he's got a, an awesome handle on the character. He does. Um it's visually I think it's it's stronger than the uh all red Tommaso um Dick Tracy that are alive. It's apples and oranges story wise, but um I think uh it, nothing nothing is replaces the the original strips. If you can get those in the collections, then by oh, all means, hell it's, no. it's, it's this is. I don't want to say it's a poor substitute. I mean, it's it's cool and all to see it here because it, it the layout is different. It's a whole different um, environment for Dick Tracy to to uh, to be displayed in. But um, nothing will beat uh, the strips for me. It's interesting that it wasn't until the third story where he's in his bright yellow right. trench coat and uh, and fedora. Um, and and I like the fact that they're teasing the two way wrist communicator. Yes, they, they, yes. They're like, oh, maybe we should put a radio in this thing. It'd be nice if you. Well, you know, while you're doing that, you might as well put a camera in it. I mean, what the hell? You know, this is 1931. I don't think, uh, you know, the technology was that advanced where they could do it at night. But whatever, it's 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 fantasy, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, but no, I I I dug it quite a bit, and I I wanted to I. I read it over the weekend. Uh, actually, no, I read it Monday because I finally finished um, the Dead or Alive series, and and that ended neat enough. Um, was, I found it very interesting that IDW, as soon as they finished, I mean, before the Dead or Alive four issues were out, they were already soliciting the Forever series. Um, but you know, I guess like Marvel and Conan, if you have the license, then just might as well keep at it. But yeah. Um, no, I I, uh, I dug the first issue. I want to see what they're going to do with fifty one. I do want to see if you know if every issue it will jump ahead in time, or maybe you know he It'd won't be, nice. be so formulaic, and maybe he'll go back to the thirties uh, with the third issue. We'll see. But it's it's you know I haven't read the solicit for um, the most recent issue. I don't even know if it goes into detail about it. But no, I uh, I dug it. I I, um, I will be back. Jason, you would probably hate it. Because the language, uh -huh. the language is all thirties. Oh, he's going out yeah, with his yeah. with his best gal to yeah. the to yeah, the pictures. Luca. Yeah, yeah, you cool. yeah, big mug. I loved it. Not condemning it. No, <laughs> the thing the thing about it is, I, I at least they're keeping. I mean, this, I mean, this sounds like I'm giving it short shrift, but at least they're keeping the characters alive. I mean, Dick Tracy mm -hmm. is a character that yeah. should never go away. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. In your travels, this was—I uh, was really looking forward to this. I when when it was um, when we saw the preview pages uh, a couple months ago. Uh, this is from Ken Garing, the first issue from Image. This is uh, Gogor number one, and it—I um, just—I really, really like the look of it. It's it's clean. Um, you you definitely feel. Um, the motion of the characters as, as uh, the, our hero is escaping guards or um, leaping through the air. And, and, and the whole idea, I'm, I'm not going to go too deep on this because I, I, I want people to read it for themselves. But um, I am completely enamored by, by this world, by these characters. 
Um, the uh, uh, Armano is, is our main character. I definitely comfortable with him as uh, as the lead character. The uh, the title character doesn't appear until um, until the end of the issue, and I won't explain how he appears, but it is um, it's it's a pretty cool setup. I I, I was. I'm blown away by by the visuals first. I, I think it, it looks fantastic and um the story is cool. It's not necessarily a a it's it's a take on a story we, we we've heard before, but um the setting is what makes it a little different. But if if you're a fan of um of the way some of the characters from Saga may look, uh if if you like the way um, Doc Shaner or Greg Smallwood draws his characters, then um, you'll probably dig this. The colors are great. Garing does it all. He writes it, draws it, he colors it, he letters it. Um, and yeah, I uh, I will definitely be back for the uh, for the second issue. So if you haven't, then uh, make sure you check out Gogor number one. That is uh, sitting here on near the top of my stack right here. Sweet. Yes, sir. Uh, it's time for the train again. Speaks go, man. It's, this train has never ended. <laughs> nice. Um, it is with great pleasure that I bring you for In Your Travels uh, another image book. This one by, uh, by a uh, EOC family member, someone who was on the show not too long ago. Um, it's, uh, it's, this is a image skybound book is called excellence. Yes. Number one, uh, written by Brandon Thomas with art by Kari Randolph and Emilio Lopez with letters by Darren Bennett. Um, we knew this book was coming for a long time. We knew Kari had been working on it, wanted to get the, uh, the first arc done and in the can before they solicited it. But we knew that something awesome was, uh, was, uh, was looming and it's finally here. Um, and I think they did a great job with the first issue. I, I think it's, it sets up an exciting world. Um, the conceit is um, a a world where magic is uh, of paramount importance, and it's uh, you know it's very much a, a big part of society. But um, but there are rules. the uh, The rules are uh, the protection and defense of the undeserving is not allowed. The creation of a magician's wand without permission is not allowed. The casting of spells without an approved wand is not allowed. And the use of magic by females is not allowed. Um, and there are different levels of magic wielders, uh, kind of like martial arts. The average age of a magic user when they first debut their powers is 5.1 years old. They're called rooks and they have green magic. When they rise up to the next level, they're patrons. Shout out to our patrons. Y'all are badasses. <laughs> and they, uh, they yield blue magic. The tenth, which are the, the, the badasses, yield purple magic. And then the, the boss boss, the overseer, yields white magic. And collectively, this group of magicians are called the Aegis. And a couple things about this. Um, not only are they all male, they're also all men of color. They're, they're black men. And there were 10 original families of which are 
protagonist, Spencer Dale, is a part of. Spencer's father is one of the ten. So he's, uh, it's kind of like uh, they wear robes, and it, it, it's very evocative at some points of uh, the Jedi chamber. Like, you know, all the, all the Jedi masters sitting around deciding if, uh, if someone's ready for the trials or to become a full Jedi. It's that kind of thing. But uh, in any event, like I said, uh, in this issue, we, we, we get a crash course in Spencer's early life. He, he as I said, they usually uh, they start wielding magic effectively around five. And Spencer's a late bloomer. He's not really showing much magic aptitude for many years past. And they show him at five and at six and at seven. And uh, his dad's getting livid. His dad's having trouble. He's just distanced from his son. He's worried that his son is going to end their original line because what if his son isn't a magic wielder what, what what then what are they supposed to do and he uh it's 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 an analog to probably how a lot of dads feel about their sons and our great athletes right if they were if the dad was the high school quarterback and their kid's not good and the wife's like listen you know it's still your son like relax um but uh but rest assured he, he does eventually come around when he's a teenager uh to wield magic and he says it's time for me to take the trials and so he takes the trials but the thing is in the trial, he basically his job is to protect one of the people that protected. And what we find out is um, these rules exist, but basically, even though it's black men wielding the magic, um, they're not allowed to use the magic to benefit the unworthy, which include themselves. So they can't use the magic for their own volition. They can only use it to protect the the the, the people that pay for protection, which happen to be wealthy uh, white people, and. Uh, Spencer doesn't really – he's not feeling this. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand the rules, why they exist. But his dad never better is like, dude, these are the rules. Like, you got to follow the rules. And he's like, I don't, why the fuck I got to follow the rules? Like, we're, we're the ones with the power. Like, I don't get it. Um, probably the best character in the first issue is Spencer's grandma. When he's trying to figure out if he's ready for the trials during that scene, uh, grandma's giving him a – giving him a, a – tightening up his, uh, his haircut. Giving him a, a nice, a nice slick line. So she's she's got the clippers out. She's giving him the line. She's uh she's like she's basically calling him the fool. She's like she's like shit. What the fuck does a boy like you with a story like yours need need to fear a little more than that? And like she's basically taking him to task like a, like a good grandma would. And uh, but but really with an underlying message, right? Which is like you know you do you. You're 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 ready to get this done. So he takes the trials, and uh, you know, spoiler, he passes. I don't think that's too surprising. It'd be a pretty boring book if he fails the trials in the first issue. Um, but uh, but but something happens personally to their family, and it makes Spencer want to use his powers. And his dad's like, "You can't, like, you can't use it. I know it sucks, but you can't use your powers for that." And Spencer's, you know, you get the sense like Spencer's like, "I'm guessing in the next issue he's going to use his powers for it because he's like, fuck this." So there are some not so subtle undertones here about the society that we live in and the idea of why do people with great ability or aptitude or the power to do, make things happen. Why is it that they're bound by artifice and rules to, uh, to only benefit those that are in power. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's thought, it's timely and thought provoking, but wrapped in a, in a veneer of this, futuristic magic wielding world, which I think makes it easier to a little spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down as they say. Uh, and Kari's never looked better. Um, it's, it's fantastic work. It's, uh, it's so energetic. I mean, the trials are, are fantastic and, um, it's a little bit like Harry Potter. I mean, they have wands and they, they have all kinds of different badass spells that they're using and, 
he does a great job visualizing those spells and uh, you know everything from uh, Spencer clones himself to runs up walls to teleports to uh, he does all kinds of badass shit to try and win the trials. But um, yeah, I really thought it was a, a great start and leaves us with a fantastic cliffhanger. Uh, sets the tone for the longer narrative here of what he's going to be probably going to be a bit of a revolutionary. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've known Kari's work for a long time. I, I saw a little Rick Leonardi in this, which, uh, you know, Kari's pr- got a pretty angular style, but he, he loosened up a little bit for this. Um, and I think it's, 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 it works for him. I think it, it really works. So uh, you will love this issue, Dad. I mean, you will absolutely adore this issue. Uh, th- this could this could be a milestone book, you know, at its best. I mean, this is, you know, for it's a it's a book about men of color by a, the whole entire creative team is you know people of color. So uh, yeah, two thumbs up for this for a lot of reasons. But um, as you said, Vince, it, it like this story. I, I would recommend this comic whether it was written by you know whether it was created by four white dudes or or not. But but it's cool. I think that that uh, that the comic was created by. Uh, for black guys, you know, too. I think that's an added bonus. And they, regardless of that, the comic is worth your time. So uh, give it a try. Excellence number one. Sure looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Harry's got it going on. He sure does. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time. We'll be back very soon. In the meantime, if you would like to uh, dive into the EOC experience, we have a, a ton of Facebook groups. We're on the IG, we're on the Twitters, and uh, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics, one one, no apostrophe. And in the meantime, let's do it upright. Say goodnight. Chomp, chomp, chomp. David. Night. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Nicely played. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks again. We'll be back. We love you. Say goodnight, boys. Later, boys. Later, boys.